1: going on guys? My take radio episode 195 for Thursday, August 15th, 2013. I'm your host, Rich. Our call number is 347-324-3541. Again, our call number 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line 347 8150687 Three, four, seven, eight, one, five, zero MTR. If you don't want your message played on air, please make sure to specify that when you leave your message. All right. lot of stuff going on behind the scenes this week. Um, if you've been by the fan page, you know that we are not simulcasting on GFQ. They are experiencing some technical issues with um, Wirecast and some other mishaps, but they were kind enough to let us use the GFQ chat. And you can always listen to the show on mtrlive.com. Also, Mixler.com, M-I-X-L-R, forward slash, My Take radio. And, of course, you can always listen to the Blog Talk radio feed, but the Mixler feed will give you the best quality audio. All right, so a couple of things I wanted to get into. We got a lot to discuss. We got some MMA news. We got the the Darren Young story, which we're going to discuss Um we got your gaming news, we have your entertainment news, and a couple of other things I wanted to discuss this week. So, let's get the ball rolling. Uh, first and foremost, obviously the methods that I mentioned before are all the ways you can listen to the show. The other method you can use in a pinch is using our call-in number and just not hitting option 1. That call-in number 347-324-3541 if you just want to listen to your listen to the show. Via your phone or mobile device, whatever that may be. Anyway, so lots of stuff going on. We've been working on some stuff on the back end with My Take Radio, and with that, we have been experiencing a couple of different mishaps. Uh, primarily, um, the big thing that I've been working on is the loading speed of the site because a lot of people have had issues and they've said, you know, sometimes the site is too slow. Some days it's faster than others. So we're trying to work on a consistent. Uh, system to allow the site to load fast. Now, one of the crazy things that's been happening is that, you know, sometimes when we get a, a spurt of traffic, the site really does slow down. This is partially a hosting issue, a WordPress issue, a plugin issue, but we've been working on that this week and we've been using a lot of tools and working with a lot of people to ensure that the site loads fairly quickly. Right now we're between, uh, four and five and a half seconds for loading time. Uh, th- this is significantly better than a couple of weeks ago where we were at eight and a half to nearly 10 seconds. Um, definitely not something I enjoy uh, primarily because, and any of you guys that surf the web consistently can vouch for this. If the site takes too long to load, you just move the fuck on. But we've been trying to put out a lot of great content this week, trying to be very consistent getting stuff out to you guys. And um, just a quick reminder, we actually set up the MTR newsletter sign-up form, which you can click. It's on the right hand side of the site. You can click that sign up for the MTR newsletter. You can get all the news or you can get updates on articles that we post with regards to um, MMA, wrestling, video games, entertainment, or any of the other subjects we cover on the site. Your email will not be shared with anybody. Obviously any of the emails you give, um, any email addresses will only be used to send you a newsletter. And the intention is to send a, um, probably a weekly newsletter just to kind of bring everybody up to speed with all the articles and any important happenings going on with the show. The other thing that we are also working on doing is we're trying to possibly kind of scale back not so much what we cover, but just try and renew and dedicate focus to certain things only because I've been kind of weeding out what people are reading and what people are not reading. And, um, you know, some, some things are definitely getting more pressed than others. Obviously the core four topics are definitely moving along. And also some of our, you know, our dedicated columns are doing fairly well, but there's some stuff that we're going to start probably trimming the fat from, um, mostly on the entertainment side a little bit, but it's stuff that we're going to be working On the back end, we want to try and give you guys consistent original content, but I know a lot of you guys like all the trailers and all the videos and stuff that we share. Um, We're Actually, last week, I tested recording the entire show via video just to see how I would adjust to being on camera. I will say it went fairly well, as well as can be expected, and we're hopefully going to continue working on that. I think the only problems I felt... That needed to be addressed were lighting. Just because a, I'm kind of dark, and b, um, the way that my room is set up where we record, the light is kind of in the middle of the room. So where my workstation is is a little dark. So that's something that we're gonna work on. But other than that, the trial war- the trial run went fairly well. Um, audio quality was good. We were recording in 1080p using a uh, Logitech C920 camera. Very nice work. And I also did a secondary recording with a um, Microsoft life cam that I got. And again, we're, we're going to work all the bugs out. Maybe we'll try and simulcast using a Google hangout on air or something like that, just to again, get used to being on camera and try and get comfortable because I know a lot of you guys really are big fans of video, especially those of you that have subscribed to the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash my take radio TV. Um, a couple of our YouTube subscribers have messaged me and said, hey, you know, I listen to the show on there when you put it on YouTube, but I am curious as to when you're going to start doing the shows on camera. So I've been getting a couple of those messages, and again, it's something we're going to be working on, and I guess I, I'm going to have to pull the trigger since more people are definitely trying to get into the whole video aspect of the show. So that's where we're at with that. Um, things, I believe... I may be running a little shorthanded this evening. Uh, Slick is taking care of some stuff. And um, he may he may or may not join us. He, or if he does, he may join me later. In any event, I'll be manning the boards and doing the show at the same time. So if you are calling in to speak on air, just let me know in the chat. That way I know it's you and we can move that along. I know Jay Santee is going to be calling in later on during the wrestling segment to discuss SummerSlam... Uh, His new gimmicks article plus the Ring of Honor House of Glory show this Sunday that we will be covering. So be on the lookout for photos and video on the site as well as on the fan page uh, throughout Sunday afternoon. All right. So before I get into this week's show, I just wanted to talk about a couple of things, some real world happenings. Um, I got to uh, celebrate my sister's birthday yesterday. My oldest sister, um, she turned 24 And for those of you that have been listening to the show for a long time, you know that I've said that, you know, she has autism and it's crazy because, and I didn't really notice because that's, that's something that as time goes by, birthdays just kind of fall off the calendar, but I'm like, wow, you know, she's, she's almost 25 and you know, she's, she's definitely not at a level where she should be in terms of her functionality, but just her, her view of the world is, is extremely refreshing. And, you know, it's been, it's been a rough week off air and, you know, I'm not going to get into that stuff cause you guys don't tune in to hear that shit. But the, the fact is that, you know, it's, it's been a rough week and, you know, I, I went, I got her an ice cream cake from Carvel and, you know, we sang her happy birthday and it was just such a, such a serene moment because here you have, uh, an adult, basically, who, you know, I, I, bought her a couple of games for her 3ds and my brother got us some stuff and, you know, she just got an ice cream cake. We sang her happy birthday. She had some really cool looking balloons and I mean, some cool looking candles and it was just genuine appreciation. And it's crazy because you'd say to yourself, yeah, but you know, everybody appreciates good gestures and things of that nature. But the, for me, it, it was just, I don't know. It was different because like Given given my sister's handicap, she doesn't know what hate is. She doesn't know you know, just all the all the bad shit in the world. She doesn't really get exposed to any of that. She she gets to enjoy. I don't get to I don't want to say she lives her life in a bubble, but just like the the innocence that she has is extremely refreshing. You know, she watches the Disney Channel, she's a big fan of Aladdin, she likes Mario, she likes to play a lot of video games, she likes to draw. Self taught herself the piano. So, you know, for me it was just I don't know, it was weird. I just sat there and I'm like, damn, you know, I've been I've been raising her on my own, you know, on my own with my family for the last thirteen years and you know, now that she's a lot older, the birthdays for me just are I guess a point of reflection. I look at it like, you know, just just untapped. She doesn't have to worry about and again, these are these are superficial things to to the rest of us, but it's like you don't got to worry about going to work and dealing with a boss who's who you know who you may or may not like. You don't have to worry about hey, you know, my mortgage is due, the light bill needs to be paid. You know, it's just it's just a nice carefree life, which it, I guess for me and and for anybody who deals with the rigmaroles of everyday, it's it's definitely a little bit different, so to speak. But it was just I guess a period of reflection for me. It was it was an awesome birthday. Luckily, birthday season is over because in my house, we're pretty much all um, born in the summer. So it's like from May through September, it's basically birthday after birthday after birthday after birthday after birthday and a lot of bleeding of the pockets. I will say that at least now that my sisters are older and they're going to adult programs, I don't have to deal with the madness that is back to school shopping, which as within the last couple of days has really reached a fever pitch especially by my office where i have a couple of shopping centers and big box stores it's it's hell on earth so in in that regard i know that you know that's one thing i don't have to worry about anyway i just i just wanted to share that with you guys because like i said you know a lot of times i come on here and i talk about all this this negative shit or all this stuff that gets people kind of mad but this was one of those instances where i just sat there and i kind of just let the day go by and i was like wow you know it was pretty mellow, pretty mellow day. But I, I will say that I got a lot of feedback from last week's discussion with regards to the 14 year old kid that was shot by police. Um, you know, a lot of people in the chat room and a lot of people on air and off air reached out to me with their own opinions. Some people reached out to me with opinions that they didn't feel comfortable sharing on air or in the chat because they felt that that commentary was politically incorrect or racially charged or however you want to view it. And, you know, I, I, res- I respect those people and, um, you know, it, it's just crazy to me that some people, they really have some archaic views. And I've joked about this before about, you know, we're, we're friends with the, you know, with the super political guy and the, and the, uh, borderline racist guy. We, we all have one of those in our lives. And, and a couple of those borderland, uh, fringe people that I know they, they reached out and they're like, you know, man, this, that, and a third, some people, like I said, were very passionate in their arguments, but it wasn't something that caused disagreements. But again, I just want to thank everybody who contributed to that discussion last week because it was, it was definitely a hot button topic for sure. Anyway, let's get into this week's show. We got quite a bit to discuss and we're going to get the ball rolling with some MMA. So one of the smaller promotions and a lot of you guys probably only follow either the UFC primarily or Bellator or perhaps Invicta but a lot of people just usually stick to the to the big organizations but uh World Series of Fighting put on an event uh last Saturday with uh, the main event was uh Tyron Tyrone, Sp- Tyrone Spong taking on Angel Deanda and um if if you follow Muay Thai you, you're you probably familiar with Tyrone Spong. Also on this card was Nick Newell, who a lot of people may know. Nick Newell is a um, one-armed fighter. And it's crazy because he was fighting for another organization. He was their champion, and um, he didn't want to defend the belt against uh, the individual that they had chose, uh, picked to be his opponent. So he was stripped of the title, and he went to another organization. But the crazy thing is Nick Newell took on Keon Caldwell, Um, in a very, very, uh, competitive match, but Nick Newell, once again, wins a fight via submission, guillotine, two minutes, seven seconds in the first round. Now it's crazy because the fighters came out, they exchanged some leg kicks to start kind of feeling each other out. Newell shot in for a takedown, but he did get knocked back a little bit. Uh, definitely Keon Caldwell was well versed in, in scouting the takedown, but still, um, Nick Newell persistently trying to get that takedown in. They got up to the fence, at which point uh, Nick Newell was dropping the hammer on Caldwell from the fence, and um, Newell finally secures a takedown, and at that point, Newell secured the guillotine choke and the victory. Uh, once again, Nick Newell, one arm fighter at 155, is undefeated. Now, the crazy thing is that, People have been talking about whether Nick Newell will fight in the UFC. Um, what What's to be expected right now. Dana White doesn't doesn't want to really touch that, um, you know, make of it what you will. But it's very interesting because this guy, he's undefeated and, you know, he's fi- he's fighting with one arm, basically. And it, it's just a, an amazing thing to watch. But it's going to raise a lot of questions if he continues to be on this path, then people are going to be like, you know, just because he has one arm doesn't mean he shouldn't fight in the UFC and it's crazy because there's two there's two schools of thought with this and some people are like, you know he's gonna go out there and he's been doing really well, but if he goes up to like the UFC the probability of him getting hurt is is you know exponentially higher other people are saying that he's a an inspiration to to individuals with disabilities um, For me personally, I think that I mean Matt Hamill fought and you know he was deaf. And it's, it's totally different because he still has, you know, four limbs, but it's still a, a, a decent handicap because you have to take into consideration that Matt Hamill being deaf to, to corner him and to strategize with him is extremely difficult. He has to be extremely attentive of the corner to read lips, etc. And, you know, he, Matt Hamill did very well. I mean, you know, people started to figure him out as he started racking up victories, but that doesn't take away from the fact that the opportunity was there for him to compete. And I think Nick Newell, if if he continues on this path, um, Dana White's not going to be able to ignore it much longer. And I think he's going to have to either make a, a more public statement or he's going to have to give the guy a chance. And, you know, in the off chance that he loses, well then it's an experiment that at least was tried and he was given a chance. So we'll see what happens, but Nick Newell definitely impressed with his submission victory via guillotine two minutes, seven seconds in the first round. Uh, Jay-Z Cavalcante took on Tyson Griffin in what was an extremely competitive match. Griffin looked really good in the first round, uh, working the striking game, especially at a nice inside leg kick towards the end of the round. But Cavalcante answered that with a head kick Griffin, nice right hands that he was really working in there. And um, Griffin actually secured the takedown to close out the first round. Again, very solid. Jay-Z Cavalcante, though, looked really good. They had an awesome and brutal exchange against the fence. Uh, Jay-Z Cavalcante caught him uh, to close out round two. But round three worked out a little differently. There was a nice, de- uh, a, a nice little exchange. Jay-Z got the takedown off a leg kick. And at that point, he started working from full guard, shifted to half. And when he passed to mount, Tyson Griffin was trying to flip over. And Jay-Z just started just pounding on him. At which point, the ref had to get in there and stop the fight. Jay-Z Cavalcante takes the uh, TKO victory in round three, a minute and I believe 40 seconds. Uh, Ray Cepho fought on this card. He took on Dave Huckaba and... Um, Brutal, brutal TKO. Um, just just disgusting from the part of Dave Huckabah taking the victory away from Ray Seffo. Seffo looked good in the first round. His striking game was on point, but Dave Huckabah um, actually ducked a high kick and smashes Ray Seffo with a left. At that point, once he smashed him with the left, it was pretty much academic with a TKO victory in the second round. Now, I want to get into the... Light heavyweight fight. It was, like I said, Angel DeAnda taking on Tyrone Spong. Now, if you've been following Muay Thai kickboxing, Tyrone Spong has tremendous striking. It's just disgusting to watch. And um, he was really putting in a lot of great um, a lot of great leg kicks, try, really trying to go in there and put in some major work. But Tyrone Spong took the victory via unanimous decision. He's one guy that I'm really hoping makes it to the UFC. Like I said, I'm a big fan of... Uh, of that guy's Muay Thai work. I've seen him fight usually on the Access or HDNet kickboxing cards, and to see him in MMA, it's definitely... um, As a fan, I'm happy, and I'm hoping he makes it to the big dance. I really want to see that. Uh, Much like uh, CR the Killer, who I've seen fight in uh, Muay Thai fights, I'd love to see Tyrone Spahn get an opportunity in the UFC. World Series of Fighting did give us a solid card, I have to admit, and this is one of those things I've said on numerous occasions, try and give these smaller promotions a chance. They got a lot of talented fighters, and sometimes they even have fighters that were in some of the major promotions that either were cut or didn't have their contracts renewed but are still extremely competitive and give us great fights. Now, let's get into the rest of the MMA news for this week, of which there are quite a few I wanted to discuss. Uh, Katzingano, of course, was supposed to be the coach on the ultimate fighter on this season's ultimate fighter with Ronda Rousey and had to withdraw due to a knee injury. Uh, the surgery she had to replace her ACL was successful. And according to, uh, what some of the MMA media outlets are, are saying, they're saying that her doctor actually said that she could return to full training in approximately four months and can probably fight two months later. So all signs point to Kat Zingano getting back in the cage in February. So, definitely looking forward to that. I think Kat Zingano would have done very well against Ronda Rousey with her striking, and it's a fight I really was looking forward to seeing. From a drama standpoint, I don't think that this season's Ultimate Fighter would have been as drama-filled, and I think with regards to that, I feel that there is definitely a better chance of the show doing even better ratings wise because of the existing drama between Rousey and um, good old Misha Tate. Now the, the thing with this is that I, I'm all, I'm, I'm all for the coaches hating each other and wanting to kill each other. That's what's made some of the most memorable seasons, you know, Chuck, um, Tito and Shamrock being one of them. But also you have to take into consideration and this happened with rampage and Rashad Evans it's the fact that sometimes or with Rampage and Forrest Griffin, it you know, these are the situations where sometimes the animosity between the coaches overshadows a lot of the talented fighters. So I'm hoping that is not the case, but nonetheless, we'll find out soon enough. And we actually have a listing of some of the fighters that are going to be on the season's Ultimate Fighter. There's a lot of veteran female fighters who I definitely want to share with you guys just because... They're, they're extremely talented and I've seen them fight numerous promotions and I think the Ultimate Fighter is a great gateway for them. While on the subject of World Series fighting from earlier, I forgot to mention that um, Anthony Rumble Johnson had to withdraw from his fight with Mike Kyle for World Series of Fighting 5. Um, Johnson suffered the injury in training camp, but Andre Arlovsky will be stepping in to face Mike Kyle. World Series of Fighting 5 goes down September 14th from Atlantic City. The main card will air live on the NBC Sports Network and Arlovsky versus Kyle is the main event. Should have mentioned that earlier, but I didn't notice that the notes were uh, wrong. The order of the notes was wrong. But yeah, Anthony Johnson is out and he will be replaced by Andre Arlovsky, who will be meeting Mike Kyle. UFC on Fox Sports 1 goes down this weekend. The weigh-ins will be... Uh, this coming Saturday at 4 p.m. But if you are a UFC Fight Club member, you'll be able to, to be involved in the Q&A session with Ronda Rousey. UFC on Fox Sports 1 goes down this Saturday at the TD Garden uh, Center in Boston, and the card will broadcast live on Fox Sports 1. Make sure to check with your cable provider to make sure that you are getting Fox Sports 1. A couple of a couple of guys I know that have different carriers. Across the country, were kind of pissed off because they weren't able to get Fox Sports One. But there are negotiations ongoing between some of the other carriers, and it looks like likes Fox Sports One will be on the all the major cable providers by Saturday. We shall see, though. Mayhem Miller was in the news, and not for anything good. He was actually arrested last weekend, and um, with regards to a domestic violence incident. And he posted a $50,000 bond. He has to be back in court um, in 60 days. And California law states that domestic violence is a felony and carries a charge of two to four years in state prison or a minimum of one year in county jail, plus a fine of $6,000. Definitely not a, uh, a good couple of months for Mayhem Miller. I really hope he gets his shit together. Uh, you know, his his erratic tweets once in a while and it, it, for, for a guy who's so talented and has a such an incredible personality just what's been happening with mayhem miller is just it's just i don't want to say it's tragic because that would make it seem like the guy is like dead but it's it's just something that for for me personally as a as a guy who's followed his career it's just disheartening to see let's just leave it at that looks like eddie alvarez and bellator have made up with Eddie Alvarez taking on Michael Chandler in the co-main event for the Bellator one Oh six pay-per-view going down November 2nd. Now the crazy thing is now I'm sure that they're probably going to give him a cut of the pay-per-view revenue. Alvarez and Chandler had a fight in 2011, which was probably considered one of the best fights of the year. And I'm thinking that with this deal, Eddie Alvarez will be with Bellator for the long haul. Also, Announced on that card, King Mo will be taking on Emmanuel Newton due to the withdrawal from uh, the title fight by the light heavyweight champion Attila Vey. He suffered a shoulder injury. Mo and Newton will meet in a five-round fight for an interim title. So as of right now, the Bellator 106 pay-per-view is shaping up as follows. Rampage and Tito and Michael Chandler and Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight title in the co-main. King Mo and Emmanuel Newton will meet for the interim title. Light heavyweight title. In some Invicta FC news, it's been announced that one of my favorite fighters, Felice Herrig, she fights at 115 pounds, has signed a multi fight deal with Invicta. Very, very good, very, very cool news. Um, Of course, this comes fresh off the heels of what's going on with Bellator, where they have released their female fighters, Jessica I, Felice Herrig, and Jessica Aguilar. Now, of course, Felice Herrig was already signed. And it's, it's crazy because, you know, Bjorn Rebney is saying that, you know, right now, given our focus, we're not in a, provi- in a position to provide these deserving women regular and reoccurring fights on a large platform. So while he did obviously release all the fighters, he's not going on record saying that he's not doing anything with the women's division. He just kind of gently shrugged it off. Let's not kid ourselves. We haven't seen a... Of a female fight on Bellator in quite some time, and I kind of felt that this was the the direction it was going. And the the, the hardcore fan in me is genuinely happy that it went in this direction, primarily because the, these talented women can go and fight an Invicta, a promotion that's putting on events on a consistent basis. Not only that, but obviously, if they go up and wait a little bit, they can make the jump to the UFC as well. I, I don't think Felice Herrig is gonna jump from 115 to 140 at any time soon, but still, I'm happy that she's got a home, she's a, a charismatic fighter, and it's always cool if you follow her on Facebook especially, you know, she, she's, a, she's a geek at heart, sponsored by Alienware, puts up a lot of cool stuff, a lot of Street Fighter and comic references, which is always cool, plus her, her stand-up is fantastic to watch, if if you don't want to take my word for it for it, look up her fights on YouTube, and you guys can see for yourself, but... You know, it's it's crazy because right now, you know, the UFC isn't doing any other divisions um, other than bantamweight, but, you know, you got 105, 115, and 125, and 145, and right now, um, those ladies all have to look for fights elsewhere. I mean, Invicta's probably going to be their best bet, but who knows, maybe if the UFC down the road wants to expand a little bit, maybe we'll start seeing some of those lighter weight classes, but as of right now... Bellator pretty much, in my opinion, has has shuttered their women's division, and Invicta is probably the only route, unless you plan on putting on a couple of, fa- of pounds and fighting at 140. While we're on the subject of, Invist- of, ugh, excuse me, of Invicta, um, Christiane Justino, I gotta get used to calling her that, or Cyborg, is going to be competing in a Muay Thai fight this September. She'll be fighting September 20th at Lion Fight 11, taking on Martina Gindrova, so... It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you know, Cyborg has tremendous stand-up. And to see her in Muay Thai is definitely going to be very cool. In a statement she released, she was saying that, you know, she likes to compete. And when she was in Brazil, she competed in Muay Thai. And she feels that it's always good to keep training in Jiu-Jitsu and stand-up and Muay Thai. And she's really looking forward to the experience. I think that, in honestly, I think it's great for her to go out there and test her skills in Muay Thai. Not only, obviously, for... The sake of her stand-up, but you also got to look at the fact that if, if she's not injured and she wants to keep herself busy, that's a good way to do it. Like I said, I think Invicta is really hinging their hopes on a TV deal, and I hope they get it. I'd like to see them maybe on Showtime or perhaps Spike TV, just to give the ladies a bigger platform to compete and also allow them to market themselves better. I mean... When you discuss women's MMA, it's you only know a handful of fighters by name. Obviously, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Gina Carano, Cyborg. Uh, you know you can go down you can go down that list, but still, it's one of those things where if you don't know those names, you really don't you can't follow the sport as as well as you can, which is unfortunate because, like I said, you know you got Liz Carmouche, extremely talented, Marloes Koenen, very talented. Carla a very talented, um, you know, Thug Rose, Rose Namajunas, extremely talented, these are all, uh, extremely talented fighters that just, they don't have a major platform to get themselves seen, I mean, don't get me wrong, Invicta's doing a great job, they're not rushing into it, they're, they're pacing themselves, putting on solid, solid events, but, TV is where it's at, it's where the money is, it allows you to get some sponsors, bring in some more revenue, and that's pretty much the big dance, that's what you have to aspire to. I really would love to see Invicta either either start working with the UFC or something, because I think that once Invicta gets to television, it's going to be a, a, a great platform for these ladies, and it's going to create a lot of new stars. Let's shift gears a little bit and discuss UFC Fight Night 28, which goes down September 4th. That card is now 100% confirmed. 12 fights total, 6 on Facebook, 6 on the main fight card, which is on Fox Sports 1. Ryan Bader, Glover Teixeira, Yushin Okami, and Jacare. Joe is taking on Juicier Formiga. Uh, Piotr Hallman is taking on Francisco Trinaldo. Uh, Rafael Sapo Natal is taking on Tor Tronig. Um, I'm going to mess up this guy's name. Ali Bagaudinov. Ugh, I probably bludgeoned that poor guy's name. I apologize. He's taking on Marcos Vinicius. And um, if you want to check out the Facebook card, that is going down at 5 o'clock. And there's a couple of awesome fights there as well, including uh, Yuri Villafort is on that card. And Hugo viana is also fighting. He's taking on Johnny Bedford. And those prelims go down, like I said, Facebook, 5 p.m. Main card is 8 o'clock. And that will be on Fox Sports 1. Now, this bit of MMA news really tripped me out because as far as we all know, Nick Diaz retired after his fight. But we also know that Nick Diaz retirements are short-lived in in most cases. And I think that this particular carrot that got dangled out there is very, very interesting. Uh, Dana White recently spoke with MMA Junkie, and they asked him about Nick Diaz, and he said, I talked to Diaz today, I made him an offer, so we'll see what happens. He's been talking about going to 185. Machida's been talking about going to 185, so he wanted to see if he wanted to fight Machida at 185. Of course, he was asked about what's going to go down with Vitor and Machida, and he said, I wanted Machida to fight Vitor, but Vitor Belfort is his own matchmaker, apparently. He wants to make his own fights. When asked about what Diaz says, he said Dana White went on record as saying that they would get back to him. Now, the crazy thing about Nate Diaz, and and this is the thing that gets me, is that Nate Diaz, whether he fights at one seventy or one eighty five, is just a dangerous, dangerous fighter in any division. He's got great stand up, great jujitsu. Hasn't been, you know, yeah, his jaw hasn't been tested yet, and his loss to GSP. I mean, it was GSP using regular GSP offense, it is what it is, but Nick Diaz is still a tremendously talented fighter, both Diaz brothers are, and their their brash, cocky, you know, street-tough style is one of the selling points for those guys, and I think that Diaz jumping to 185 not only would be great for the 185-pound division, but there's just a lot of potentially ridiculous fights there. Um, Machida making the jump to 185 is the same thing, I mean... Looking at it from the standpoint, you got Weidman and Silva going for the rematch. Let's say Anderson gets the belt back. And let's say Diaz, they tell him, look, you beat Machida, you get one more fight, you challenge for the belt. You don't mean to tell me that that Nick Diaz and Anderson Silva would be a tremendous fight. You are out of your mind if you don't think that fight would be awesome. That fight would be ridiculous. I think the press and the marketing hype would be phenomenal, and of course, Diaz would do his best to sell that fight. Taking on Anderson Silva, and Anderson Silva, you know, he's still got his little showboat style to him. He still got a little bit of that of that crazy nature. And I have a feeling that if those two guys lock up, you're going to see Anderson Silva trying to, you know, bait Nick Diaz with his, you know, with his signature, you know, leaning in, leaning out, kind of clowning him during the fight. And personally, I'd love to see that Anderson Silva and Nick Diaz would be a ridiculous, ridiculous fight. So, as I mentioned earlier, they released the list of fighters for the Ultimate Fighter 18, which will be debuting on Fox Sports 1, September 4th. And um, once again, for the uninformed, the coaches are Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate. Now, here is the list of fighters uh, on the women's side, and we'll get into the men as well. For the ladies, uh, Shayna Baszler, Revelina Berto, Jessamine Duke, Tonya Evinger, Laura Howarth, Tara LaRosa, Valerie Latourneau, Bethany Marshall, Sarah Morris, Peggy Morgan, Gina Mazzani, Roxanne Mataferi, Juliana Pena, Raquel Pennington, Jessica Rokoski, and Colleen Schneider. Now, some of those names you may recognize, like I said, Shayna Baszler, Jessamine Duke. Tara LaRosa, and Roxanne Modafferi are all fighters that are well-known in MMA circles, whether from fighting for other organizations, fighting for Strike Force, These are all ladies that we've heard of before. So they're coming in with experience and ready to make a mark in the UFC. So I think it's going to be interesting television for sure, especially with a lot of the veterans that are in there. Shayna Baszler alone comes in with a 15-8 and record. Tara, Lo- Tara Larosa comes in at a 21 and three record. Roxanne Mataferry comes in at a 15 and 10 record. Meanwhile, some of the other ladies like uh, Jessamine Duke is two and one. Revelina Berto is three and one. Uh, Laura Holwarth is four and zero. Oh. So you know you got a lot of experienced women in there, plus um, some rookies. So it's going to be very very interesting. On the men's side, uh, Chris Beal, Cody Bollinger... Uh, Luis Fissette, Rafael Freitas, Davey Grant, Tim Gorman, Anthony Gutierrez, Emil Hartzner, Josh Hill, Chris Holdsworth, Patrick Holohan, Suran Kakai, Danny Martinez, Matt Munsey, Lee Sandmere, and Michael Wooten. Now going into this, Cody Bollinger is coming in, fourteen and three record. Um, Of course, extremely experienced Danny Martinez coming into the house also well coming into the season with an 18-4 record. So you got a couple of established veterans in there that are going to make things interesting. Not only that, but I'm sure the ladies and the guys are going to mix it up as well. And, of course, the looming shadow of Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey probably killing each other is always going to be good television. Now, last bit of MMA news to wrap things up. Uh, Dana White, while, promor- um, excuse me, while promoting UFC on Fox Sports 1, they were asking him about Ben Askren, which, you know, his contract is going to be up soon, and they want to see if the undefeated Bellator welterweight will be coming to the UFC. Dana White has gone on record as saying that we will talk to Ben, so he definitely going to happen. Um, when asked about Ben Askren's fighting style and if he could replicate success, he said, Dana White said the following, you can do that in Bellator, You know what I mean? It's going to be tougher to do that here. Now, lastly, he was asked about Paul Daly, which for some reason I find odd just because Dana White's been pretty vocal about Paul Daly not coming back. And um, even though he's kind of softened his stance a little bit, it's really, really tough. But he did uh, give a statement with regards to that. He said, I think I've been pretty clear about where I am on Paul Daly. I'm not saying that Paul Daly couldn't change, but what he did, he was the only guy that's ever done that in the history of the UFC our UFC since we've been here. Literally walked over after you've just fought a guy for 15 minutes. It's all legal. You can do whatever you want. And after the fight, he walks over and sucker punches him in the face. I hate it. I'm not saying that he couldn't be forgiven and it couldn't change, but he'd have to win some fights, and I don't know what he'd have to do. I'm not there, though. See, now now here's the thing with Paul Daly. Paul Daly's a tremendously talented fighter. What happened with Josh Koscheck definitely uh, was... It was funny as shit. Don't get me wrong. I did laugh my ass off, but I do understand from the standpoint that Dana White is coming from, because you got to look at it from the the big picture of the Fox sports deal and being on broadcast television and answering to network executives. And there's that big looming cloud of, you know, just, just going out there and doing something stupid and jeopardizing your network deal. And that's, that's definitely the case in this instance. Personally, I, I'd love to see Paul Daly back because I think he can mix it up in the UFC with a lot of great talented fighters. But, given what's been going on, I'm really hoping that, not to say that he's matured, but that he doesn't let the trash talking get to the point where he's going to jeopardize his livelihood. It kind of makes you wonder, in a, in a, in a what-if scenario, what would have happened had Paul Daly won that fight? Or, had he not sucker punched Josh Koscheck, where would he be in the in the grand scheme of things, on in the hundred and seventy five pound oh, excuse me, hundred and seventy pound division. Now you got to ask yourself, maybe after if, if he would have lost to check, he would have had another fight. He would have got the cage rust out, so to speak, and he would have been more successful. Maybe he would have challenged for a belt. But the problem is that, and you can't dispute the fact. It's like you got to beat up a guy for fifteen minutes. And you didn't get the job done for whatever reason, make of it what you will, whether it was technique or Koschek had the better wrestling, whatever the case is, you had 15 minutes to legally beat the shit out of this guy. You couldn't, you couldn't finish him. And then to sucker punch the guy, it's just, it, excuse me. It's tough to call, uh, you know, to look at it from a standpoint where you can justify it. It's, it's impossible. And I guarantee you that if he came back into the organization and they were doing like a Fox sports card or uh, a network card, they would be watching him very closely, or he'd have to fight on the prelims for the foreseeable future until he can prove himself and Dana White can trust him back in the cage. And it's, it's, it's a tough, tough call, man, but I'd love to see Paul Daly back. Again, that's just the fan in me talking, but I'd love to see him back. I think he has a lot to offer. As for Ben Askren, I mean, if Ben Askren comes into the UFC, he needs to get one fight, and if he wins that fight, he needs to fight for the belt you have to respect the fact that the guy is an undefeated champion in Bellator. Now, do you want to go out there? I mean, if he came into the UFC, you know, tomorrow, I would probably give him if if Hendricks loses or if GSP loses, I would probably give him that fight. I would give him that fight the loser of that fight and then go for the title shot. Again, that's that's kind of where I would go with it because I think that you have to respect the the guy's credentials. The guy's undefeated, you know, at hundred and seventy pounds in Bellator, whether you want to say it's the wet blanket offense or the smother and cover, whatever it is, you have to look at it from the standpoint that the guy's undefeated, he is a champion, and you gotta respect that. Now, you know, I'm sure I'm sure if Ben if Ben were here, he'd say, Yeah, you know, he probably needs one or two fights and you know, Ben Askren from a from a from an entertainment standpoint, people just you know he you got your he has a lot of detractors i don't I don't hate the guy's fighting style because he's using his strengths and he's winning fights. I just feel that when you look at it from the standpoint of oh you know this guy's gonna come in and he's just gonna fucking lay on a guy for 15 minutes or 25 minutes and then get the victory with you know short elbows it's again it's it, it, the school of thought with regards to that is split. Because people are going to be like, hey, the guy, he knows he knows what to do, and nobody's been able to counter it. Others are going to be like, hey, this shit is boring. Now, from Dana White's standpoint, he's going to look at it twofold, money and entertainment. From a money standpoint, you're going to get a guy who was undefeated in Bellator, their welterweight champion, and he's undefeated for a reason. But from a revenue standpoint, it's like, can you sell a fight with a guy who's I don't want to say he's not exciting because he's definitely exciting to watch depending on his opponents. But to to most people, it's just going to be like, oh, God, this guy's fucking laying here for 20 minutes. And I've seen that happen. I know I know guys who I kind of want to say are only well-versed in, in UFC only. And I told them, hey, you know, check out Bellator. And they'll call me and they'll be like, yo, man, that dude, the dude at 170, the champ, that fucking guy is boring. And it's just like. I feel not that I feel bad for those guys, but but these are individuals that come in. Some of them sometimes are are hardcore boxing fans. So, you know, they want to see knockouts, but it's mixed martial arts, you know, you got submission, you got knockout, you got decision. It is what it is. I mean if Askrin is gonna use what he knows and nobody has an answer for it, what can you do? You can't fault the guy. You can't tell him, Hey, I don't wanna win fights by not using what I'm good at It's stupid. That's what that's what happens with people like when people complain about GSP and some of these guys like, look, I understand it's not the most exciting way to win fights, but you're not there to make the fights look pretty. You're there to win period how you win. You know, it's, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna definitely cause some tension, but if you're winning, you're winning easy as that. All right. So that actually is going to wrap up this week's MMA segment. So let's get the ball rolling and talk some wrestling, shall we? Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker! Hog Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! So let's get the ball rolling with Monday Night Raw first. Of course, this was the last Raw before SummerSlam, which is this weekend. And um, one of the things I've I've learned is that I'd like to say there's an 85% chance most times that the shows leading into a pay-per-view are pretty solid. There there have been instances where the throwaway, you know, where the last shows before pay-per-views have been complete shit. It has happened, but... Given the, the importance of SummerSlam and the mainstream press going on, especially, you know, with Total Divas, with Bryan and Cena, it's, it, it was a surefire bet that we were going to get um, a solid episode of Raw. And, of course, this definitely was the case. It didn't disappoint. We had Wade Barrett clean-shaven, which is really fucking weird, uh, taking on Daniel Bryan. The special guest referee was Brad Maddox. Now you obviously knew what was coming and it was the screw job, and that is what happened. Of course, we got the quick count. Um, Wade Barrett ducked. Uh, Daniel Bryan's kicks got the quick roll-up, fast count, and that was that. Of course, you know, Brad Maddox was going to get his ass kicked. Crowd was super into it, super electric, and it continues to add to the the school of thought that Daniel Bryan should get the belt. I personally, personally feel he should get the belt, and not be given the belt as a placeholder for Orton to cash in, but be given the belt and be allowed to defend it. Um, I think we need it for a couple of reasons. Number one, of course, being the fact that the guy is red hot right now, super entertaining. Uh, People are super into his gimmick. So don't, don't derail a bad thing. But knowing WWE, they're just... And Vince in particular, you know... Vince when it comes to these guys that he didn't create so to speak it's always it's always a catch 22 it's always a 50-50 with them. I mean sure he did kind of the Daniel Bryan the whole yes thing. Yeah, that's all WWE hype. But it's not Daniel Bryan the 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 wrestler. That wasn't created by WWE. You know, that was forged in the indies. You know, iron iron forges iron. And and in that regard I think you know, I think Daniel Bryan. We need that now. A co- you know, I was talking with one of my coworkers. Well, my manager. Obviously, I'm not going to drop his name on air. But I was talking with my manager at the job, and you know, his kids watch wrestling, and we were talking about Daniel Bryan, and he was saying, he's like, you know, Daniel Bryan, if he wins the belt, is is a good role model. You know, he, he, he lives he lives modestly. Um, he's very humble, but very well spoken, uh, well educated, well versed in the business. Especially, you know, the, the the technical side of the business, and honestly, if you, if you want to kind of swap out one wholesome champion for another, Daniel Bryan is the guy. Not to say that Randy Orton is 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 not the guy you want to put the belt on, but I'm just saying, from a guy that you can market to to kids that they can aspire to be like that individual, Daniel Bryan is that guy because he embodies the everyman. Same thing with jo- with um. CM Punk and people don't don't realize that the reason that some of us are such hardcore indie supporters is not only because of the wrestling, but because these guys, they are. We feel a kinship with them based on just being regular guys, not, you know, jacked up, roided out juice monkeys or or things of that nature, but being legitimate guys that are going in there and honing their craft, whether it's in in a gym with 500 people or being being in an auditorium with a thousand people or being in a high school gym with fifty people, the fact is that the guys on the independents have a better respect for the technical aspects of wrestling now the wWE superstars i don't say that they suck because they don't, but Daniel Bryan made a very valid point and and Val in the chat said it you know his mic spot was on point Daniel Bryan made sure to reinforce the fact that he is a wrestler and Cena is an entertainer. And as as much as you can feel that those guys are you know, those guys are cutting promos, I still continue to feel that there is you know, slight real talk in those promos. I think that the best conversations come from raw emotion and you know, before I get into the other matches, I, I want to talk about something that people may not have noticed. And this is something that again, you know, it's something that I've just noticed in the last couple of weeks. If you remember correctly, um you know, John Cena in his feud with the Rock the first go around was feuding with The Rock because he felt that the Rock was Hollywood. That The Rock was a sports entertainer and that he was a wrestler. That he carried the company. And that The Rock just saunters in and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, think about it. John Cena is pretty much playing the role of The Rock. And Daniel Bryan is playing the role of John Cena. Because think about it. They talk about John Cena's lavish lifestyle, his big house, all his cars, being jacked, the pretty girlfriend... You know that these these are all things that are being used, but there are shades of the same thing, the same pretty much underlying tones between Cena and The Rock, because you know it was The Rock's lavish lifestyle and his and his you know all his movie roles and all the money he's making. It is it, it it is the same story in essence. Now, obviously, you can't cite John Cena's incredible Hollywood movie background because. Think of the movies that he's done, you know, and you got to look at that too. But from a sports entertainment, entertainer versus wrestling standpoint, it, 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 the the similarities are there. <laughs> I like how Val says movies in quotes, but Val also makes a valid point in the chat. He says, yeah, but the difference between Cena and rock is that rock earned the right to walk in and out just like stone cold and taker. And, and again, you you are right. I'm not disputing that. That is true. But you also have to look at it from the standpoint that when Cena and The Rock are compared, The Rock is more entertainment versus wrestler. And the reason I say that is because you're looking at you know Oh, I Jay, Jay you are in the you're in the Mixler chat and I see what you're saying. Jay says, "Can anyone name a promotion Cena was in?" before WWE and that is what what he was in a promotion where he wrestled as the prototype and I have the DVD but I don't have it with me but um as I was saying the the thing is it, yeah I think it was it was UPW thank you I think it was UPW and then he did go to OPW where he used the prototype gimmick but he was in UPW first I believe I I got I don't have the notes in front of you but I know he did OVW and um as I was saying, you know, the, the parallels are there, and here's, here's the thing I gotta say before I, I finish going through what went on with Raw. When you look at John Cena, John Cena is a product of the WWE machine. He is um, groomed, marketed, and built as a WWE superstar, but I will say this. His promo, Monday Night with Daniel Bryan, this is one thing about Cena. When you put him in there with guys that have impeccable mic work, you're going to get some of the best promos. When he was in there with The Rock, you got some solid promos. When he was feuding with CM Punk, you got some legendary promos. And the Daniel Bryan promo was good because Daniel Bryan was... You can see the passion with which he delivered the promo, and I really liked the whole, you know in Japan, we slap wrestlers, but you know what? I'm not going to slap you because you're not a wrestler, but this is, this is one thing that I got to say with John Cena that I really, you, you can't acknowledge it. When he was talking about, you know, doing the make a wish stuff and, and, you know, doing all the charity work, I was, I was a little bummed because I said, fuck, this guy's going to use that now in an angle, but, I think that the way it was used is used from the standpoint that it's like, dude, it's not just wrestling for me. You know, it's about being a better person. It's about being the best I can be for me. And the fans can love me or hate me for it. And I don't give a shit. And you know what? I like the way that that went because you know what? When Daniel Bryan becomes champion, he, you know, I'm sure kids are going to want to have Daniel Bryan fulfilling wishes for them as well. But you have to acknowledge Cena the individual. The guy's got over 300 wishes under his belt. He's an incredible ambassador for the business. And love or hate the guy, you can't dispute the fact that as a human being, the guy's a stand-up fucking dude. Yeah, his gimmick is bullshit. It's tired. But the fact remains that when it comes to being an ambassador for the company, when it comes to being a face of the company, the good guy of the company, Cena is your modern-day Hulk Hogan. He's the guy that, you know, will, will, will have his own multivitamin, will be on the ice cream bar. That's what he does. And much like Hogan, he does shitty movies, which is a shame. Because think about it. You look at John Cena, the guy's a glorified G.I. Joe. You could have put John Cena in G.I. Joe and, he, and it would have worked. John Cena would have worked in G.I. Joe. On the contrary, I, I, I think he would have made a, he would have made a pretty good duke. Imagine Cena and The Rock as Duke and Roadblock. It would be so ridiculous, but it would be so right that, that it, would just, it would be insane. And that's what I'm saying. I think that when you look at John Cena, the parallels between him and Hulk Hogan are so similar to the point where, and, and this, is, this will be my last statement on this before I move on, when John Cena turns heel... I'm telling you right now when John Cena turns heel it is going to be an epic heel turn and the reason I say that is because much like Hogan you're not going to see it coming you're not going to see it coming people are like oh he's going to turn at SummerSlam oh he's going to turn here oh he's going to turn there and I've said this in previous shows you cannot forecast a John Cena heel turn not only that but you have to take into consideration the fact that he, with all the great charity work he does, doesn't need to become a heel. You can you can have a little fun with it and kind of make him a tweener, but he doesn't need to be a heel. But if they decide to pull that trigger, I'm guaranteeing you it will be the most shocking turn in wrestling. I'm telling you guys right now. It's not happening this next month next year hell it may not happen for 2 or 3 years but when he turns it's it's going to be ridiculous um just a a quick reminder for those of you that are in the in the GFQ chat click your nickname and um you can actually change that uh slick if you're if you're there just do me a favor and put the instructions in the chat i'm i'm sure that uh, GF, GFQ viewer 6996 is probably Jay. Just want to make sure that way people know it's him. But as I was saying, you know, the when when Cena does turn heel, guys, no one's gonna see it. And and sure, you'd love to see it happen at Summerslam, but with the fucking tennis ball in his elbow, I I don't see that happening. And again, it's expected at that point. It is truly expected. It can't. It, it, it has to be such a random thing like it pretty much has to be, you know, John Cena doing a promo and the guys running to the walk into the back and John Cena hits the guy with like a car and then when he comes out the following week, he just cuts one of the rudest, most insane promos ever like when Hogan turned heel on Nitro years ago and he cut his promo back then. It was like, wow, you know, this is this is pretty edgy. Like, Cena's gonna be like, you know, I bleed for you guys, I injure myself for you guys, I do all this great stuff for you guys, and and you guys just don't, you guys just can't accept me. You can't accept me for who I am and what I do. Well, you know what? Maybe I'm just gonna do things the way I want. (laughs) I like what Slick says. Slick says, when Cena goes heel, you'll see him take someone out from the grassy knoll. That's what I'm saying. Like, it has to be something on the level... Where he has got to pretty much kill a guy or end the guy's career, like you know what would happen? Like you would have to, and this this would be crazy. Maybe you'd have him have a match with say like Rey Mysterio, and then he just he would pretty much injure Mysterio and use that as an angle where Rey Mysterio has to retire, or something like like Rey Mysterio. I'm using him as the example because kids love him. He is so well liked because of his gimmick. You know, that would be, that would be it. Or, or Val has a good one. If he ends The Undertaker's streak in just like a brutal fashion, like he like collapses the steel cage on him or some shit, like something of that magnitude will probably be the best way to do it. Like Brock Lesnar throwing Zach Gowan down the stairs. Yeah, that was pretty heelish, but I'm not going to lie. I laughed. I did laugh. I'm sorry. Don't judge me. But when he threw when he threw Zach Gowan down them steps, I, I just I, I couldn't help it. I couldn't as soon as I just heard do, do, do it was like
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: It felt like I was watching Benny Hill, and it's not even because Zach Gowan didn't sell it right. But it's just the concept of you throwing a one-legged man down the stairs. I almost felt like I was watching OJ Simpson going down the ramp in Naked Gun and flying over the barricade. That's what it felt like. Like, it was that kind of funny to me. Call me twisted, call me fucked up, but I'm like, oh, he went down the stairs like Nordberg when he went over the barricade in Naked Gun. And I just laughed for like 10 minutes. It It was ridiculous. It really was. Anyway, let me go through the rest of Raw. Um, Orton and Sandow had an awesome match. Um, Orton, as usual, gets the victory. Shocker there. Um, Cody went in there to mess with the briefcase. Of course, that distracted Sandow. Sandow ate the RKO. Um, is it just me, or does Damian Sandow's briefcase look like a Hershey bar? I looked at it, I'm like, yo, is that a chocolate briefcase? And here's, here's something that amused me. And let's talk about WWE logic. So... Damien Sandow came out with his Hershey briefcase and he chained it to the turnbuckle. Stay with me. He chained it to the turnbuckle and then he chained the other handcuff. He, he added, he attached the other handcuff to the handle of the briefcase. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. And this, this usually applies to most, most briefcases, but why couldn't Cody just open the briefcase and steal the contract and leave the briefcase hanging there? Like logistically, like that's the kind of shit. Like if, it, like if his briefcase would have had like a combination, then okay, that would have been some, some thinking, but you got to look at it. Like Damian Sandow supposed to be this genius, this, this guy who's, you know, mentally superior to the other superstars. Yet you chain your briefcase by the fucking handle To the turnbuckle when I can walk up and flip both switches and steal the contract. It's not so much the briefcase that's important. It's what's in it that counts. Think about it. You know? Jay says, Cody's not too bright. Sandow is only slightly smarter. Alright, I'll give you that. But I'm just talking about it from a logistical standpoint. Like, we're, especially those of us that are older wrestling fans... You know, you look at it, and you're like, yeah, you know, you'd think that he'd have, you know, a combination lock or something. Val says usually those briefcases have combos or keys on them. All right. I'll give you that. But it just, the way that briefcase looked, you know, looking like a Hershey bar, I'm going to see if there's a screen cap of that briefcase, because I want to see if it has, like, a key or a a combination lock. If it does, then I'll retract my statement. If it doesn't, it's like, fuck, guys. You know, you guys missed that completely. To the average fan, sure. But to those of us that are kind of in the know, it's like, damn, you guys could have done a better... Here's another one. Like Val said, couldn't he just rip the handle off and walk off with it? (laughs) And Slick adds, those briefcases are the same material as a Star Wars lunchbox. It, it's true. I I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying that you know it's it's a it's a shitty it's a shitty thing to do. I like the the more the more regal briefcase for the more uh, regal Damian Sandow. But just from a standpoint of why didn't you give him like a metal you know Halliburton style silver briefcase with a lock on it? Seriously, like like that's what I'm saying. Like for me, I just felt that it was as 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 silly as it is. It's little touches like that. That just add to the to the overall story again that's that's just me, so moving on before I talk about the next match, I gotta talk about the shield promo. The shield promo was fucking epic it was it was ridiculous, it was well done it was and Ambrose just just ran away with the ball. Dean Ambrose is clearly clearly just overshadowing his fellow shield members because that promo was magic. It was magic because the the subtleties of it were just so well done. Not to mention the fact that it was just it was it was just great storytelling. The Shield just they cut their promo and and Ambrose just made it feel I want to say that he just made it work. If if that's one way to look at it, it was just so well done. Like I said, Ambrose just looking dynamite dynamite in his, in, in his promo work. I was like, Holy shit. These guys are, you know, these guys are, are the truth, but the, the problem with the shield right now is the fact that they are, they're popular, but a lot of focus is on the Wyatt family right now. And this is what's going to happen. The focus is going to shift to the Wyatt family. And then the shield are just going to be there. You know, the shield are just going to be there. And and that's unfortunate because these are guys who you want to give them a good run. Like the Shield should be whooping ass for at least another year. Like they should continue being a dominant force for another year, strictly because they work so cohesively as a unit. They really do. They work. They have such such a, 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 a such great chemistry that it just it just works. And to, and to squander all that for the sake of, you know, re- switching focus to the Wyatts. You know, the Wyatts have a great gimmick. Don't get me wrong, it's cool. They got great music, the sheet mask, the fucking lamp, everything works. But what makes the Shield so dangerous is just their presentation. They come out, and, and you really should keep the line gray. Even though people are like, oh, they're heels, you should keep it that they dispense quote-unquote justice to whoever they see fit. Let them be the outlaws. Let them be the guys who who don't have an allegiance to anybody. I don't want to say book them like the APA, but I'm just talking about book them in a way where you never know who, when, or where the Shield are going to strike. It could, it could be Vince McMahon out there, and they come out there and they whoop his ass one week. Maybe the next week they drag... Michael Cole in there. Maybe the week after that, it'll be the Big Show or John Cena. But what I'm saying is that you shouldn't just leave it that they attack faces. The Shield should attack everybody. That's one of the things that made the NWO so great back in the day. It wasn't just faces and heels. There were instances where nobody was safe. Everybody was catching an ass whooping. It didn't matter. It did not matter. The fact, the fact remains that as far as I'm concerned, the Shield need to stay together. Because if you break them up now, here's what's going to happen. Ambrose is going to run off and just just become super successful. Rollins is going to be marginally successful, and they're going to pour every ounce of energy they can into Reigns because they want Reigns to be over. They want it so badly for Reigns to be over, but his wrestling needs work and his, and you can just see that he's uncomfortable on the mic still like he's just like yeah the shield believe you know versus you know Dean Ambrose who's out there like Andre the Giant's ghost and you know just dropping heat when it comes to promo work and Seth Rollins is definitely stepping his game up uh Jay J Santy says in the chat that he feels reigns is going to be mason ryan you you know what the problem is i i i would say that if it wasn't the fact that reigns has an incredible pedigree you know he he's coming from a long lineage of of talented samoan performers and sure you could say that you know he's going to be a one-dimensional guy but the problem is with the wwe and and we've seen this when they want a guy to get over they will find by hook or crook a way for that guy to get over, and there's no better, there's no better person for that than when the Miz first was kind of pushed into the main event spotlight. When the Miz was pushed into the main event spotlight, and I was doing the shows, people were or, or Ryback, but I want to use the Miz because the Miz when he got pushed into the spotlight, nobody saw it coming, and and you can see that it was so fucking forced. It was so forced. Same thing with Ryback. The only thing with Ryback was that Ryback should have remained an unknown. Like Goldberg. As much as you you people, you know, he hates being compared to Goldberg, and people don't want to compare him to Goldberg, you needed to leave Ryback as an unknown, as an it factor, as just going out there, and, and you never know whose side he's on. But... You know turning him into cryback and doing all this shit it just it was just terrible it was terrible it was completely terrible so the great Kali and Natalia, I don't know why the fuck that guy's on television still took on Biggie and AJ with a nice big ref botch to the point where they had to redo the sharpshooter for AJ to tap it was uh yeah it was um listen. The problem with that match wasn't the, it it wasn't the fact of of Natalia or AJ, but it was just, just, you could see it was, it was disjointed and the ref, the ref thing just, it it was, it was bullshit. It was like, wow, this, this was a complete botch and a half. Anyway, so, you know, Vince McMahon comes out, does a little fucking angle with Brad Maddox, blah, 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 quick count, Triple H comes out, uh, you know, pedigrees Brad Maddox which you know you're the chief op you're the chief operating officer and you come and you pedigree your GM yeah okay and um Triple H is going to be your special guest referee for this match you know for the Cena and Danny Bryan match which can lead to a couple of things Triple H shenanigans with allowing Danny Bryan to win or Triple H shenanigans allowing Orton to cash in it's uh yeah <laughs> You Know it's it is what it is. Kane took on Titus O'Neill, of course. The Wyatts came out. Uh, nice work with Kane not being caught in the sneak attack. Titus O'Neill looked pretty decent in that match, it was still a glorified squash, but it was you know, it, it definitely shades of brilliance from Titus O'Neill for sure. Kofi Kingston got the uh, I don't want to say he did the job for Del Rio, but. For a guy who's come out, and he's had so much fanfare, and so many people are behind him, I always feel that Kofi Kingston is just... Something's missing. Something is genuinely missing. I don't know if it's... Maybe it's better mic work. Maybe he needs a... Maybe he needs a... I don't want to say he needs a heel turn, because he's a marketable guy. People love him. He's got great personality. But I just feel he's missing. I think... Kofi Kingston is a guy that probably needs a manager. Here, here's the thing. There were rumors that Prince Nana from, from Ring of Honor was um, allegedly trying out for WWE. I would put Prince Nana with Kofi Kingston. If you guys aren't familiar with this guy, do yourselves a favor. Look up Prince Nana in Ring of Honor. That guy, is, he's, he's, he's a monster when it comes to being man, uh, a manager. And, he, and he's perfect. He is perfect to go alongside Kofi Kingston. It would work so well, and not only that, it would just add a different dynamic. And and see, even Jay said it. Prince Nana is a mic monster, and it's true. You put him with Kofi, it's it's bona fide up upper mid card main event status for Kofi because Kofi has the move set, and he's he's entertaining to watch. He's just missing something. There's a spark that's missing, and it's not his wrestling. We saw shades of brilliance when he, feud, when he was feuding with Randy Orton. But I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's the, the injury or just the way that the, the, the roster is structured. But the, Kofi just they dropped the ball with him. And it boggles my mind, you know, because that's a guy. Everybody talks about, oh, WWE's looking for African-American stars. And they're looking for the next African-American face of the company. You have a guy you have a guy. Kofi Kingston is the guy. The only other guy who I would probably see moving into that role would be Big E. But Big E suffers from the same problem Kofi does, which is his mic work isn't great. It's not like Mark Henry. Mark Henry, his mic work has just stepped up. Val brings up Shelton Benjamin, and it's true. Shelton Benjamin, another guy, and it's as, as terrible as it is, I want to just say, like, hey, what's up with all these athletic black guys that come in that just can't carry the mic? The only guy who came in who carried the mic was Elijah Burke. And I don't know where where the ball got dropped with Elijah Burke that he, you know, he went to TNA. And I thought in TNA we were actually going to see the Pope get the belt because his mic work was on point. Yeah, the Pope, dang, that. that's what I'm talking about, Val. And, and I thought Elijah Burke had all the tools. Let's not let's not think about you know him managing Sylvester Terkay when when he was in WWE. But think about D'Angelo De Niro. Well, think about the Pope when he was running the New Breed with Marcus Corvan and those guys during you know ECW 2.0. The guy, the guy had tremendous mic work. <laughs> Come on, Jay. Damn, give the guy a break. Jay Santi puts in the chat who. Question mark, LOL. And it's just like, that's a guy who had the complete package. He was athletic, he had great mic work, and I don't know where the ball got dropped that that he just got cut. Meanwhile, you got guys like Kofi Kingston who just, they need something. Like, honestly, if you can't put Kofi with Prince Nana, make him a Heyman guy. Kofi Kingston as a Heyman guy? Fuck it, I'll take it. Paul Heyman selling me on the virtues of Kofi Kingston? Sure, why not? Why not? You know what amused me with Kofi Kingston when he was out? They were talking about, oh, you know, Kofi Kingston came from Ghana, West Africa as a young age. And it's like, wasn't he Jamaican? Oh, yeah, you think people forgot about that? Even though he comes out, you know, with the with the semi-reggae music and the Trouble in Paradise finishing? Come on. Out of here. Again, I, I respect, I respect... You know, them them trying to give Kofi the platform and trying to give him the ball, but he needs more than just being athletic to, you know. And and that's right. I remember that Val Hunter, Triple H dropped that pipe bomb with, with Kofi Kingston. I'm like, yo, weren't you Jamaican? And it was just you just couldn't help it. You couldn't help it. But seriously, Kofi Kingston needs a manager to be successful. Either that or he needs serious, serious mic work. Because right now, not faring so good. Anyway We got a a pretty solid Christian video package with uh, him and Del Rio. Del Rio talking to him in Spanish. It was what it was. Uh, The Americans, uh, beautiful promo from good old Zeb Coulter. Racism just running wild. And I just, it just amuses the shit out of me because the blatant racism in his fucking promos is just, it's just mind numbing. like, Like, I think that Zeb Coulter's promos are pretty much what Vince McMahon feels. It's like, Zeb, I want you to go out there and I want you to call this city a cesspool. I want you to say that this city is full of shit. That's what I want you to do, Zeb. Go out there, drop the end bomb No, Vince, I can't do that. Find a way to drop it subtly. Like, seriously, like, you know what amused me? When they did the show at the Barkley, Zeb Coulter pretty much was like, you got you know, this shouldn't be the melting pot, you know, this should be the porta potty. Zeb Coulter basically called everyone in the arena shit. He made fun of every language, including Yiddish, Spanish, Italian, and it was just, you know, languages most, some of which Antonio Cesaro speaks, but you know, let's let's not split any hairs, but seriously, he just walked in and legitimately said that the melting pot is a toilet full of shit. It's crazy. It's crazy. And yes, I'm gonna get into that, Jay. I'm glad you you brought that up. And, and the funny thing is, Zeb Coulter is such a throwback to those. If you guys remember, and I'm sure I'm sure i I'm sure um Jay may may and Val and Slick may all remember this. But if you guys remember when Sergeant Slaughter was an Iraqi sympathizer, and you remember it was him, General Adnan, and um the Iron Sheik was, was with him. And you got to remember just the blatant anti-American rhetoric that was being, that was being just, just sprouted on television. It was crazy. I mean, sprouted, spouted, excuse me, being spouted on television. It, it was to the point where they put a bomb in Sergeant Slaughter's house. That's when, you know, it's real to me. <laughs> like seriously, like, oh, they put a bomb in Sergeant Slaughter's house. Cause they thought he was legitimately down with the Iraqi cause. Like that's great fucking wrestling. You know? Like that was some crazy shit. Now Zeb Coulter, he's trying he's trying to do that. But the problem is, we live in a in an era of like I've always said, the pussification of America. Where you you gotta really you gotta kinda dance that line a little bit and Zeb Coulter, he does a good job of it, but it's still you can see that there's 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 hesitation there. It really is. It, it's like that you want that so badly. I guarantee you if Vince McMahon had his way, he would he would have Zeb Coulter call come out and call Alberto Del Rio a beaner. Don't get me wrong. This is the same guy that says illegals crawl under the fence. Like it's not even like it's not even funny that he legitimately comes on television and says that illegal immigrants crawl under the fence, and no one bats an eyelash. Like that shit is just crazy to me, because think about it. if I were, if I were doing a show on terrestrial radio and I said, like crawling under the fence, or you know, said something like, like what he said about Brooklyn, like, yo the, you know that, that borough should be called the Porta potty. I guarantee you that I would be booted off the air immediately. And this is what's amusing to me that, that WWE has such an interesting way of just skirting around that. It's like, a little, you gotta be a little racist, but not too racist. You could say shuck and jive, but don't call him an N-word. Like, like you can see it. You can see it with a lot of the promos. You can see it. And, and with Zeb Coulter, I, I just feel that it's exactly that. It's, it's, it's tap dancing on that line, but tap dancing on it in such a way that it, it just, it's good and bad. And the reason I say that is because you promote anti-bullying, you promote all this stuff, and it's great. And it's the real world. But then you turn around and you have a guy come out and pretty much call, say that the people in the arena are immigrants and that they should go back to their country. Like it's 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 weird. And again, you know, it's sports entertainment, it's acting, but these are these are things that raise questions, especially if if you have children and you gotta sit down and be like, Yeah, he reset, he, 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 he Why is that old guy saying stuff about people? Oh blah 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 and, and you know it, it raises a lot of questions. Look, if you're gonna go full fucking KKK on television, that's great. But it's like you either go full racist or no racist. Not partial racist. I'm not, look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Zeb Coulter should go out there and call the primetime players Coons. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that he should go out there and call, you know, uh, the Goya brothers Spicks or Beaners. I'm not saying that. But it's, it's, you gotta be a little bit more, if you wanna be edgy, you gotta be edgy all the way. And Val summed it up best. WWE wants to bring the Attitude Era back so bad, but they can't. You know, <laughs> Jay, that is a great way to say it. He's the most politically correct racist ever. Yes, that is what Zeb Coulter is—the most politically correct racist ever. Channeling that, channeling that Glenn Beck. That's what he's doing. But it, it's true. That that is a great description. Anyway, let me move on because we still got a lot to discuss. So I want to talk about the um, the Miz. MS TV, John Cena, Daniel Bryan promo, and yeah, I could sit here and I could talk about it, but you have to hear it because there's genuine hardcore passionate play and Daniel Bryan was just amazing. I mean, it's a 9-minute promo. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I just I just want you guys to see how how it, how much intensity there was in the ring. And again, kudos to Cena for stepping his promo game up, but Daniel Bryan Daniel Bryan is channeling a little bit of that American Dragon and it's fucking working. Check this shit out.
2: You see this shirt? This shirt is a parody of you. Because I think you are a parody of wrestling. And guess what? I don't want to be a parody. I want to be the WWE Champion and I want to be WWE Champion for one reason and one reason only. And it's not for the fame. It's not for the glory. It's so that everybody knows and it proves that when I step foot in this ring, there is nobody better than Daniel Bryan!
0: You almost got me. You almost got me. A parody. A parody, that's... That's strong. That's real strong. Daniel, I'm not a parody. The reason I'm out here, regardless of what you think, is the same reason you're out here. All of this. All of this. And I thought you would be smart enough to understand that. All of these people with their signs and their hands up in the air, chanting yes, 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 or no, no, no. They're doing it Daniel because they believe in you. They believe in you and you hear that. And when you hear that and you know that someone believes in you, it empowers you, it gives you emotion, and all you want to do is come out in this ring every single night, sick, tired or hurt, and put your body on the line as a way to say, I believe in you as much as you believe in me. You are red hot right now, but you will always have critics. You should be proud of every single thing you've accomplished here. But you should be smart enough to know that I am proud of what I've done here. I am proud of who I am. And I am proud of what I've become. Because what I've become is a man who has spent the last 12 years wrestling around the world. From Abu Dhabi to Taipei, from Tokyo to Shanghai, from New York right here to Sacramento. Sometimes they cheer, sometimes they boo, but I have stood in for a dozen years in front of the most hostile environments, in front of the biggest names this business has to offer. And the difference between you and me is not parody, Jack. Every one of those matches, I did it while I was holding this. So please, please think I'm a joke, please think I'm a parody please think I'm going to waltz into Los Angeles on Sunday just a shell of a man who's a t-shirt, a set of wristbands an off-the-rack set of cargoes and a beat-up set of pumas, please please think that about me because that's what every one of your peers has thought about me and I've beaten them all all of them I've wrestled and beaten them all
1: there you go I wanna I want to try and fast forward the clip to the uh, to the slap just because the 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 incident with the slapping was was probably the highlight of this promo I mean the exchanges between them was was well thought out but the 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 slapping pipe bomb so to speak was 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 the icing on the cake and I want to see if I can fast forward it enough for you guys to check it out um, here it goes let's see if this is it because you're not in your hand.
2: And as hard as they possibly can, they slap him in the face. You know, I wish, I wish so bad that I could do that to you right now, but I can't because you're not a wrestler and you don't deserve it. Talking's
3: over. I will to do it. Oh. Yes, it
0: is. I give it to you. It. Come, on. you it? Come on. You want it? Come on.
2: You want it? Come
1: on. It's all about the game. There you go. So yeah, nice uh, nice little slap from, from John Cena to Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan didn't bite. And slap the shit out of John Cena, but that was that was definitely a, um, you know, it was definitely a selling point. Nice way to get a lot of heat going into the SummerSlam event this weekend. Like I said, great promo work from from both guys. But it's funny, and and you know, it was mentioned in the chat about, you know, remember the days when they said that Daniel Bryan didn't have any charisma, and it's true. Daniel Bryan has been a guy who's always had solid promo work was it sports entertainment quality promo work? No. Um the thing the thing that gets me is if you look at his Ring of Honor work uh, as American Dragon and some of the great promos he cut, they were they were powerful and they were hard hitting in Ring of Honor and I'm sure that if they if that same promo was cut in WWE people would look at it kind of in a in a tame fashion which I I feel is wrong. I think Daniel Bryan embodies the the growth of independent superstar to, you know, WWE level superstar, same thing with CM Punk, CM Punk took what he had and he just amplified it for a bigger audience. I mean, if you've watched um, any ring of honor work for CM Punk, you'll see that, especially when he was doing the, I'm I'm straight edge and I'm better than you promos. It was, it, it was probably some of his, some of his best work alongside his, his pipe bomb promos with the WWE. I I have high hopes for this match. I really think that the, that the way this match is going to go, all bets are off. I mean, the, the, it could be a, a multitude of scenarios. Cena could retain. Orton can cash in. Bryan can win it. Orton can cash in. Triple H can screw Cena and help Daniel Bryan win. Triple H can screw Bryan, help Cena win. Triple H can screw both those guys by giving one of them the pedigree and just letting Orton cash it in, and that's it's a it's a crazy way to look at it. But there's there's so many scenarios, and I really really really, and I've said this before, I really would like Daniel Bryan to just get the opportunity to hold that belt. You know, I I I want him to get the opportunity to be a champion. I'm not talking about 18 second champion. I'm not talking about parity smackdown champion. I'm talking about legitimate champion. The guy who goes on Good Morning America, the guy who goes on, you know, Larry King or wherever to talk about wrestling. He needs to be that guy. He he he's a guy who embodies everything, you know, all those great sensible values that people talk about. Daniel Bryan is that guy. He's the only guy other than John Cena who's probably the most quote-unquote wholesome guy you want to use. The only other guy probably be like Kofi Kingston, if you wanted to do the the wholesome black guy, you know, it's still you know, it's still it is what it is. Uh, he was not bearded justice. That would be I, you never know that that might make a good T shirt. Bearded justice. I like the I like the parody shirt. I like the beard is here. But like I've always said, if if CM Punk is the is the is the best in the world, Daniel Bryan is the goat. And he should use that as greatest of all time. And that would be the best shirt. You could have the whole goat moniker, but you could use that to mean greatest of all time and it would just work. And then we can get our 60-minute Iron Man match between Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, which we all would love to see, but we may never get. Not for nothing, I wouldn't mind a, 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 a match, especially if he leaves TNA. A, a Kurt Angle-Daniel Bryan match would be a problem. A, a, a Daniel Bryan Kurt Angle match would be ridiculous. That it would be, it would probably be a shoot match because those guys aren't going to pull any punches. It would be, it would probably be some of the best storytelling. And it's like, if you remember, think of the matches between Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. How how ridiculous they were! Their matches were so good to the point that even when they were a tag team, it was ridiculous. It was. I remember that when they were a tag team they used the Crippler Crossface ankle lock combo if I remember correctly. I remember that was when they started really being used as a tag team and that's that's the kind of shit that that we're missing. We're missing those type of those types of rivalries. And it's crazy because yeah, you know, Cena and and Brian have their little rivalry and Cena and Punk have their rivalry, but the only rivalry that will be on par with like Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit or like real wrestling matches is Brian and Punk probably Brian or Brian and Rollins or Punk and Rollins or Brian and Ambrose because those are guys that still have those fundamentals that grit those guys that you know if they accidentally fake a punch and punch each other in the face they'll laugh it off and 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 they go fuck it let's trade a few real punches in and that's what I'm saying, like when you look at those throwback guys like the William Regals, the Kurt Angles, the Samoa Joes, the Chris Benoit's, regardless of, of, of my personal opinions about Chris Benoit, those were the guys that they would go out there and it would it would be five-star matches with the worst fucking guys. It would be, you know, five-star match out of Kevin Nash type shit. Like, that's what I'm saying. Not, to, not that Kevin Nash is a shitty wrestler, but what I'm saying is I'm talking technical storytelling matches with guys like, like Kevin Nash that worked. Think about it. Think about when Kane and Chris Benoit were feuding at one point or when it was Chris Benoit and The Rock and they were feuding. Those were, those were the things where the, the storytelling was so great because the wrestling was the true star of the story. You know, you got to look, you got to look at it like this. Think of it this way. If Daniel Bryan wasn't great on, on promos alone, his wrestling could still tell a story. And that's the thing. Like a lot of people, and, and I saw this on, on squared circle on Reddit. They were talking about oh you know the similarities from from a from a charismatic standpoint when Daniel Bryan first came in were akin to Chris Benoit and it's not the same. There was a it, it was a very interesting interview and I and I forgot where I saw it, where they were talking about Chris Benoit and they were saying that Chris that the way that Chris Benoit's promos were written they were written in a way that he had to say that they wanted him to use less words to convey his his emotions because When he did longer promos, they just didn't work because people couldn't connect. And that's the the craziness of of guys like that. Like Chris Benoit, they had to tailor-make his promos. If you guys want, you could probably look up that interview, and you'll see that they had to tailor-make his promos so that he can say more with less. Daniel Bryan, you can't compare him to, to a guy like Chris Benoit. What, because they have a physical wrestling style? No. Daniel Bryan has always had good promo work. Now he's up the ante to sports entertainment-level promo work. Benoit was always robotic, you know? I think back to Chris Jericho making fun of him and calling him Mr. Roboto. And and that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. Like, Benoit was a guy that he, told, he said very little. But when he went out there and he dropped you on your head with a German on three or four different occasions and then delivered a crippler crossface that made you wince when you looked at the screen, it's not... It was it was a different era and people people they say, Oh yeah, you know, we we need that. And unfortunately, we're not gonna see that. Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Samoa Joe, Rollins, Claudio Castignoli, or um, you know, Antonio Cesaro, Cassius Ono, those are gonna be the guys that are gonna usher that in. You know? Oh, absolutely. Jay says it wish they did that for Bret Hart. Bret Hart's promos were were stinkers. Bret Hart's promos were fucking questionable some days. There were some days where he'd cut a promo, and, I, and even though I was a kid, I'd be like, wow, this guy stinks. You know, it's, like, it's just like, it just didn't work. They're, they're, and this is the thing. There are guys that have built-in charisma, and those guys, their wrestling sometimes doesn't match their level of charisma. See The Rock. The Rock is extremely charismatic, but his matches were never great. Stone Cold Steve Austin was extremely charismatic and he had good matches, but Stone Cold Steve Austin had to adapt to the WWE style. If you watch his stuff in ECW or even when he was the ringmaster, you were seeing some more, you know, you were seeing some more technical stuff out of Stone Cold. When he became the Texas Rattlesnake, it was punch, kick, punch, you know, stomp a mud hole in him, walk it dry. You know, it, 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 that's that's what it was. But it wasn't because Stone Cold was a shitty wrestler. It was because Stone Cold had to adapt to make it, you know, make it part of his his character. And that's what I'm saying. Like, certain guys, their charisma supersedes their wrestling. And then there are those guys with a healthy balance. And then there are those guys who, they just, they're just shitty on the mic and only wrestle good. You know, or wrestle well. You know what I mean? In Daniel Bryan's case, I think... He's going to have a lot to offer this business. And the WWE needs to give him a chance because what do you got? If if you don't have Cena, who are you going to put the belt on? You're going to put it back on Punk? Okay, fine. Maybe on Orton? Yeah, sure. Why not? But who else do you got? Let's be honest. Who else can you put the belt on that the fan... It's not Sheamus. You know, it's not It's not the the almighty you know, Celtic Warrior because he's on the shelf. Cena's on the verge of being on the shelf. Could you have put the belt on Mark Henry? I felt you could have when he was in full heel mode, even if it was for a month or two, definitely could have done it. You're not going to put it on the big show because he just came back. And nobody's going to get the bump up to the upper card unless they step their game up. Jim Ross said in his blog not too long ago they were that he was talking about the need to create more stars. And, you know, somebody said that to him on Twitter and he wrote in his blog, it's not about creating more stars. It's about the guys on the roster taking the opportunities that they're given and running with the ball. And it's funny because, uh, you know, <sighs> ah, the Darren Young thing creeps, his, creeps its head into the into the chat. And I, I'm going to address that too. But what I'm saying is that there there hasn't been a guy yet that has taken the opportunity and ran with the ball, which leads me into this 20-man, over-the-top battle royal, which I want to talk about. It had RVD, Brodus Clay, Tensai, uh, the 3MB, Ryback, Mark Henry, Jack Swagger, Wade Barrett, the Great Khali, Darren Young, Titus O'Neal, the Usos, Kofi, Fandango, the Real Americans, Justin Gabriel, who I didn't even see come in the ring, but I saw get eliminated, R-Truth, and... um. Andre, the giants ghost. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you know, RVD and, and, and Mark Henry told a great story, but here's the funny thing. Good old Zack Ryder, like Zack Ryder got shit is shit on so badly that he couldn't even do the job in the battle Royal. He's not injured. So it's not that think about it. Think about this. Zack Ryder used to be a staple. You'd see him once a week, whether it was backstage, battle royal, main event, something. Instead, what we're getting is the usual suspects—guys who we saw earlier in the broadcast. No Zack Ryder, no Kurt Hawkins. Nothing. Nothing. That's what that's what we got, and, and it's unfortunate because Kurt Hawkins—he's not a bad wrestler. I think he's a guy that you have to put him in the right situation. For him to shine. You know. Same thing with. You know. You got to look at it. Same thing with, with a guy like Zack Ryder. Zack Ryder is probably the guy who WWE dropped the ball on the worst. Now of course. You can always say. Zack Ryder. Hurt Zack Ryder. You know. Whining on Twitter. Bitching. Whatever. But you also have to look at it. That Zack Ryder was the first guy. That allowed WWE to be socially relevant. Before WWE jumped on Twitter and Tout and all this shit. It was Zack Ryder with a fucking webcam on YouTube. He was the first guy. And as much as you want to put The Miz out there as your social media ambassador. And as much as you want to put all this other stuff out there. The fact of the matter is Zack Ryder created Zack Ryder. It wasn't Vince, it wasn't creative, Zack Ryder created Zack Ryder, and the fact that he's so underutilized and pretty much just shit on is a travesty only because the guy is a decent wrestler and he's entertaining and the fans like him, plus he sells merchandise. Think about the time when he was at that pinnacle of popularity, you had the Zack Ryder wigs, the shades. The fucking foam thumbs, the towels, the shirts. Everybody was going crazy for Zack Ryder. What did you do? You roll him off a ramp with a neck brace on. You put him in a feud with fucking Eve. With Eve Torres, with a diva. Not even with a real superstar, with Eve. Because let's not kid ourselves. Everybody that was involved in that feud, it was a feud between Zack Ryder and Eve. That's all I'm saying. But... It is what it is. Anyway, so this over-the-top rope battle royal was—it was all right. You know, it was what it was. Um, RVD wins. Him and Mark Henry were the last two. Shield comes out, and we get the super small Big Show. The Big Show comes out lean and mean, extra trim. Honestly, I said to myself, "Fuck the Big Show." Could the Big Show should be annoyed? the The Big Show should be injured more often so he can lose more weight. And it's crazy because the Big Show, I remember when he used to, in WCW, he'd come out smoking cigarettes and all kinds of shit. And he was super big. And they were trying to make it that he was Andre the Giant's son. And, you know, there was the gag of, of course, Andre the Giant's ghost. And the Big Show comes back. But I think that the Big Show right now is probably the healthiest I've seen him look in the last five years. Like, he was he was bigger and he was a lot more overweight. And then he dropped a decent amount of weight. But he still wasn't there, and now he looked, he looked in, in, in incredible shape. The only things I can hope with the Big Show back is that he's healthy and that he, he puts on decent matches now that he's a lot smaller. That's all I'm saying. I'll take the Big Show and Mark Henry over the Great Kali any day. Because the Great Kali should, like I've always said, he should come out on a fucking segue at this point. The guy can barely move. In that match with, with Big E, I said to myself, if Big E tries to pick him up for the big ending, he's going to kill him. He's going to kill him. He's going to kill Indian Hodor. He's going to kill him. It was, and that's the thing. And it's, it's, no, it's no disrespect to the Great Khali because the Great Khali had a, had a purpose. The problem is that the Great Khali's body doesn't agree with that purpose. It's like, Khali, you're going to be a great superstar okay, Vince, and then he goes out there, and his leg falls off, like, that's what I'm saying, like, like, they told the great Collie dude, you're gonna be the fucking man in America, okay, sounds good, then he goes out there, and and he's he's a fucking cripple, he's a cripple, the poor bastard, like, uh, like, I really would like to just, to just take WWE to court for, like, animal abuse, because it's, it's insane how, how how he's held together with Elmer's glue. And it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and you know, people are like, yeah, but, you know, th- this is the same company that had Giant Gonzalez. But at least Giant Gonzalez could walk to the fucking ring. Don't get me wrong. He's shitty. He, J- Giant Gonzalez was just as shitty. Don't, don't mistake that. Giant Gonzalez was shitty as fuck. But the great Kali has never, ever, been able to go out there and look and look remotely physical in a match. As long as I've seen Kali wrestle, it's always been knee injuries, the guy can barely walk, he's got to go back to India, he's leaving, he's coming back. Oh, mystery opponents, the great Kali, Punjabi prison match. I think that was the most mobile I ever saw the great Kali within the Punjabi prison match. Plus, I think at that point, he was... He was at the peak of his popularity. I, I believe that was when he showed up in, uh, was it in MacGruber? No, he showed up in one fucking movie. What well, I think it was Get Smart. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it did the great Kali show up in in Get in Get Smart or was it MacGruber? I know somebody in our chat can answer that. But seriously, like the great Khali was at the peak of popularity at that point. Punjabi Prison Match Get Smart. After that the guy's body just took a shit he at this he should just be an enforcer that's it he should be brad maddox's bodyguard that's it or something but wrestling get the fuck out of here and then you know what kills me it's it's him it's him and and fucking willow and and natalia like think about it you have you have fucking big ass indian hodor coming out with willow and natalia And it's just so mismatched. It almost feels like they're trying to recreate the oddities with these guys, which is unfortunate because Natalia is a great great athlete and a solid wrestler. And she's pigeonholed with pretty much being the Great Khali's cane. That's what it is. The Great Khali grabs Natalia by the head. He palms her head and uses her as a walking stick to get to the ring. That's what he does. He palms her head and then he says, I use you for stick. And then he just uses her to get to the ring. Seriously, like, if you ever notice, when the great Khali walks to the ring, they show him take the first three steps, then the camera angle goes to the ring to show his opponent, then it magically goes back, and he's all of a sudden getting in the ring? I swear, it's because Natalia fucking piggybacks him to the ring. Seriously. The guy needs to be... You gotta take him off television. You have to. It's a crime. Give him a Legends deal. Do something, but... Don't don't have that. He's going to get killed out there. He's going to get into a match with a guy that's going to drop him on the wrong way, and he's going to break his hip. Now you're going to get seven-foot-tall Indian Hodor out of the ring with a a hand truck like Hannibal Lecter. Get out of here. No disrespect to the guy. He's done his part for the business. But he can't move, and he's going to get hurt. Going to get hurt. Anyway, so... Last bit of Raw recapping, since we've kind of just run the gamut, um, Paul Heyman coming out for his little match, his little one-on-one with CM Punk, which we knew, come on, if you're a well-versed uh, wrestling aficionado, you know that shit wasn't going to be no one-on-one match, and sure it shit, Brock Lesnar was there, but CM Punk had an answer for him, and it was hitting him with a camera, and then whacking him with a chair a couple of times, then... Curtis Axel getting hit with a chair or not getting hit with a chair because he sold it and I didn't even I couldn't even tell if the chair connected or not. Like Curtis Axel sold that shit terribly. I'm like, oh, he got hit with a chair or did he? Like CM Punk, CM Punk was good. It was a great build up for SummerSlam. And if the rumors are to be believed, which I'm going to discuss later on, I think uh, I think that match, the Brock Lesnar CM Punk match, is probably going to steal the show. Yeah, Cena and Brian will probably have, tell a good story, but Punk is going to bring out a great match out of Brock Lesnar. I'm telling you guys right now. Going to bring out a good match. Um, I know Jay's in the chat and he wanted to call in with his SummerSlam predictions. If he still wants to do that, he can. Let me get into the other wrestling news, which I want to discuss. Um, so everybody's been watching Total Divas. I haven't been watching it. I know my my wife's been watching it. She's been working on probably doing a write up for it. I I can't do it. I can't. I just can't fuck with E. So, what's been happening is that, of course, if you've watched any reality television in your lifetime, you know that a majority of it a majority of it is scripted. Much like Total Divas, of course, we know that the whole Eva Marie dancing background segment with Fandango was completely scripted. Meanwhile, the incident with Cameron and Brodus Clay was not. Now what's funny is that there was when Stephanie McMahon confronted Eva Marie um Eva Marie thought it was legitimate Stephanie McMahon was in character and nobody told Eva Marie that they were it was doing they were doing an angle so Eva Marie's entire reaction was legit while Stephanie McMahon was doing an angle she had no idea Stephanie McMahon was in character and what's crazy is that a lot of people are saying that even that Eva Marie is hated, hated, her and Cameron are hated, and that, that Total Divas isn't doing them any favors, now it's funny, because as soon as that, that bit of news broke, you started seeing Eva Marie with the Bellas, which, not a big shocker there, but I do want to say that, um, here, here's the funny thing, Total Divas, is is a gift and a curse for WWE because WWE is letting you behind the curtain, but they're not really letting you behind the curtain. And I say that because people are like, "Yeah, you know, you're getting to see you're getting to see the real side of the Divas." No, the fuck you're not. They're reading off a different script. That's all they're doing. It's like, "Hey, you're not reading the raw script, you're reading the total Divas script." That's all that shit is. Seriously, it's, it, there's, there, there's very little on that show that's not scripted. But what's been interesting is that even though it's scripted, there's certain personality flaws and certain things that you can see that you don't get a chance to see in WWE television. And I say that because look at John Cena. We were talking about this at work. John Cena on E! Kinda gives off the vibe of being a complete jerk off. Not in a bad way, but if you look at it, E the way that Total Divas is edited, it makes Daniel Bryan look like a chump. Which you know, they talk about Daniel Bryan's humble beginnings in Aberdeen, Washington, and and all and he's living in his childhood home, and then it's like, look at John Cena's multi-million dollar mansion and his his 19 cars and all this shit. And yeah, you know, there's valid points there. There are. But you gotta look at Total Divas as an extension of Raw. That's how how I look at it. I look at Total Divas as an extension of all WWE programming, and the angles that are cultivated there will make their way into the WWE. I am shocked, 1,000% shocked, that the Bellas haven't become part of this feud, you know, this... This buildup between Daniel Bryan and John Cena, I am shocked. But that doesn't mean it still can't happen. Fuck, that doesn't mean it can't happen at SummerSlam, because it could. That's the craziness. But I will say that when you look at when you look at the way this programming is set up, it's just angle advancement, but utilizing a new demographic. Think about it. The wrestling demographic is primarily men 18 to 34 and kids. Males 18 to 34 and kids primarily. Now, when you look at it, that's, that's the demographic WWE loves to take money from. But they realize that E is an untapped market, especially with their relationship with NBC. You know, E has a... a a guaranteed female market share that WWE is cultivating gradually. And you know this because E already signed up for a second season of Total Divas. That's what they got. They they signed up for a second season already. This season isn't over yet, and E already signed up for another season because there's there's angle advancement utilizing an audience that is a win win. Think about it. WWE gets more women to watch their programming. E gets more men to watch their programming. The only guys that are, that, are, that are walking away winners are WWE and the network. Because these guys are getting both demographics easily. Simple as that. Slick told me that J is on hold. Uh, let me see if that is the case. Jay, are you there? Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, Lick was in the in the chat checking on you, and uh, I guess you didn't notice. But I, I figured, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on this before we talk about SummerSlam. Um, how do you feel about the Total Divas product? And is your wife watching it? Is she is she part of the demographic?
3: Actually, she's not. She's um basically uh turned over by that whole aspect, especially the part that they let you know. Out front that is scripted. So I'm getting wrestling and a scripted show with it.
1: Well, you know the the thing I was saying is you got bona fide angle advancement in the sense that they're they're pretty much telling you, you know, oh, here's here's what we're gonna set up and then we're gonna bring that into Raw. And the and the issue with that is the fact that. When you look at that, it, it it's it's a double edged sword because you're you're bringing that e audience allegedly into Raw, but at the same at the same you know on the same premise, you're not giving us any sort of a payoff. Yeah, they slap each other once a week. Think about this: Natalia's gonna have a match with Brie Bella at SummerSlam, and you know for a fact that match is gonna be the I'm gonna go and get more food. Or I got to go and take a leak match?
3: I'm pretty much looking at it to where if you're going to put a show like this together, at least give us the content to watch it. Because you give us these five-minute promos with these diva little matches that they have, and you're getting, you're basically getting god-awful to even more god-awful. I would look at it as if you're doing the total divas and you're really looking at the answer. First of all, I, 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 I we got to get rid of Cena. We got to get him out. I, I, I really, it's enough already. I like Cena. I'm getting used to him, or whatever. But it's enough. You got him out there, and now we already see along the line that now it's going to tie into the main angle. I, I, I I'm, I'm going to be bored to death by that. They're going to kill it if they do that.
1: Well, the way I see this is if Cena. If if the if the elbow injury is as serious as they say, then here's the payoff. Cena's gonna be off television, but he's not, because he's gonna be on Total Divas. Yay! You, you see what I'm saying? Like <laughs> like the, like the comedy in that is Cena's gonna recover from his elbow surgery, but he's gonna be on television. Like that's that's where the WWE is realizing that they're like eh. Maybe we should put the belt on Daniel Bryan or or whatever the case may be because you're not losing exposure for Cena. Cena's going to be there.
3: Then the other aspect is like, okay, I get it. You know, We are now a, a smarter generation of wrestling fans who now have the internet. We know that there is a life outside of the ring and all this stuff. But isn't there still this feeling that we should still have some type of kayfabe going on? Just a little
1: bit. Well, here's here's the problem with this, and, and Vince McMahon kind of went this route. If you remember, the reason that Tough Enough kind of got revamped and put on the shelf was because Tough Enough get, gave us too much behind the curtain. The original Tough Enough, I'm not talking about the Stone Cold, Booker T, Trish version. I'm talking about right, the original right. one. Now, here's the, here's the thing. When you look at it that way, you have to think of it, Vince, the WWE wants to give us behind the curtain, but they only want to give us their kayfabe. You get what I'm saying? Like, they they want to pull the curtain back, but not really. They just want to say, yeah, we're giving you a glimpse into the real world of, of the WWE Divas and all their hardships. No, they're not. They're giving you a glimpse into what they want you to believe is the real world. The real world for these for these women is driving in rental cars from state to state, eating at Waffle House, squeezing in a workout or two, and trying to fucking survive.
3: Let's fucking yeah, not kid ourselves. It they, 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 they almost lured me in the first episode. They had me for the first uh, first five minutes. They almost had me when they played it right after Roll. And I was like, ha-ha, WWE tried to trick me. But I'm, also, I'm smarter than that. But... They're gonna get me again this Sunday because this Sunday supposedly Natalia is in some nice underwear, so they might get me with that one.
1: They might get you with that, and that's what I'm saying. They're they're getting. Think about this. I, I've only I've only watched the E Channel for one thing, and that was for the soup, because I'm, I I like Joe McHale's stand up. But other than that, I've never looked at that fucking network, ever. You know, my right, well, my wife well, she watches. Of
3: course, I watched it for Howard, but after that, it was done. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It, 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 the soup and that's it.
1: Yeah, like like my wife, she watches. Um, what the hell is that shit? Um, the
3: Kardashians?
1: No, not the Kardashians. the The one with the girl that she hosts like like an entertainment show, and she married the guy that was from The Apprentice. And I believe that um she had she had a double mastectomy if I remember correctly ah what the hell is her name I'm glad
3: I'm happy that you don't know that because that that proves that you don't watch that <laughs> no 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 but network. but but the
1: girl the girl she's done like like entertainment shows like movie shows and stuff so I know who um who I know yeah, the girl yeah, I think that's when
3: I see co host with like Ryan Seacrest yes that like girl that. that
1: girl but that's what I'm saying like like East programming is primarily geared. To the female demographic a, a demographic that WWE is 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 sorely they feel they're sorely missing the only women that watch wrestling the, you have two schools of thought with women that watch wrestling women who watch wrestling because they like wrestling they've watched it for years and women who watch it because wow John Cena's hot or you know Dolph Ziggler's pretty good looking etc 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 and and that's how it goes Now, now WWE is getting this brand new audience that they can try and migrate into Raw.
3: Can we just hope, let's just say this, let's just hope that the season finale will have something where the Divas are going to be in a Hell in a Cell type thing, because (laughs) that will probably be the only way you'll get me to watch season two. Or oh. or the Ring of Fire match, or something of like that, or, or or maybe a double mastectomy match, something of that match. Oh my God! Because that's <laughs> the only way you'll get me to watch this show.
1: Well, you know what? What's crazy? While while we're on the subject of that, let's let's we can actually segue into into the other SummerSlam matches. We already know the thoughts on Natalia and Brie Bella, but um, think about this: Caitlyn and AJ. I don't know. They're divas. E is about a show. E has a show about divas. I don't know. Called Total Divas. Why the fuck don't you see the two chicks that are probably the only legit established wrestlers at this point on a show about I don't know the fucking divas? Well, that makes you think about it
3: because then you also start thinking w- whether or not they are they 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 have the choice of being on it or one they or you know or down the line though they're going to be obligated or mandated to do it because you're right. Those are the two top liners right now that actually, besides the Bellas, who, by the way, I don't care what anybody tells me, off, off and on camera, they're both freaking bitchy hags anyway. But those are the two ones that you, the two, two um, divas that you would figure that should be on that show more often than any.
1: Especially considering that AJ and Caitlyn's personalities and who they are outside of the ring is so different than the norm. Like, AJ reads fucking comic books and she's a fucking geek and a gamer, and a nerd, you know what I mean, like, like, why don't you show that aspect, like, at least give us more of the usual, like, like, watching Total Divas, especially when they show the highlights on, like, Raw and shit, it's a lot of, hee hee hee, you're a bitch, hee hee hee, fuck you, hee hee hee, like, like, there's a lot of hee 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 in and gimmicks, and there's also, no...
3: yeah, and it makes you also think about because when um, AJ and, and Caitlyn have the they have their angle, and AJ was, you know, leaning on the promo where she was talking about the pictures in which Caitlyn had, you know, had done in her past, which which you know, if you guys haven't seen on the internet yet,
2: <laughs> um, yeah.
3: muy caliente. Um, that would be an interesting thing to talk about on a show like that. So yeah, and especially and then with AJ's background, like you said, with her her old geeky background, and plus her being a Jersey girl. And all this stuff there 's stuff that could tie it in and actually bring a a, a a a audience that they might also want to branch out to, but uh, I think they 're saving that for season two
1: maybe, but the other thing i got to say is that people people watch wrestling and we root for wrestlers for different reasons, whether we connect with them on some on some level or like you know hey i 'm going to root for this guy because he 's from my town or i 'm going to root for this guy because you know, I watched his entire career. Whatever the case is, I just feel that AJ and Caitlyn have better stories that could be told using that medium to help people, quote-unquote, connect with them. Like, think of the well, Bellas. King Jimmy,
3: the, like, King Jimmy made a point right now where he says that the Divas on the shows is because they have wrestlers, boy, wrestle boyfriends, which is true. The majority of them have... Wrestler boyfriends. It would be interesting to see divas who have boyfriends that are not in the industry and how they take it and how they go along with it, you know, and how difficult their relationship is. That that actually might pull me
1: in. But you also that's definitely a a selling point. But you also got to look at it. Like if you look at AJ and Caitlyn, they don't fit that, you know, plastic Barbie doll factory persona. And the thing with Mm -hmm. that is that there's there's a story there like you could talk about Caitlyn's powerlifting background and and you know you could talk about her fitness modeling background and you can kind of pull out some of those you know those, those little those questionably risqué photos fuck it why not you could and then you could you could do the same thing with AJ and talk about like her beginnings and her work on the Independence maybe you could buy some of that footage and use it for a show i'm just saying that if you're going to try and lure wrestling fans in with that at least if you want the crossover, take take some time and stop giving us bullshit scripted kayfabe and tell some kind of a story. Like think about all the stories you could have told when you had the Beth Phoenixes or, or the Lita's or the Trish Stratus if, they, if you were doing that type of a show with those particular divas back then.
3: Boss, let me tell you something. If somebody told me yesterday that I will be up at 1.09 in the morning talking about total divas on the phone, I'd have slapped the shit out of Well,
1: <laughs> <But laughs> the, the, the whole thing with that was that we were kind of going into the SummerSlam picks, and while talking on the subject of of Biggie and uh, AJ and Ziggler and Caitlyn, you think they're going to give Ziggler the win? Because, honestly, I think post-concussion, Ziggler has been, I don't want to say misused, but I just feel like he's treading water, like he's not really doing anything. Like he's not really chasing for the belt because he's feuding with AJ and Big. Like it just not to say that it's not a given that that should happen, but it just feels awkward, you know, for a guy who was who had so much uh, pomp when he won the belt, you know.
3: Well, first of all, when I'm looking when I when I hear this match, I'm already turned off because mixed tag matches. Have not worked for me since the whole Chris Benoit thing. Like ever since they turned into that whole idea where males can't hit the females, it's just, I, I find opponents to have it there. But on the other, uh, for on the other aspect of it, yeah, the Ziggler thing is just I I'm, I'm I'm at a loss for it. I mean, even if you don't have him on the main roster or Raw, being that guy, he's easily to slip into SmackDown to be the, the the top main eventer there. Like easily, especially after the past year and a half that he's had, the ride that he's had easily this guy could bring total audience total pop even as a he or 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 the heel of the face he totally has that as we spoke about earlier the charisma to do that so i don't i don't understand what they're doing with him now they got him in limbo
1: yeah it's weird but the looking looking at the outcome of this match as as a you know just as somebody me personally i'd like to see Dolph get the victory cleanly and move on from this just to close out this feud do you think that's going to be the case? Who's your pick on this?
3: No, I'm looking at it. it although it'll be, although we'll see the Ziggler Caitlin win that I'm looking at. It's going to be the the, the, the the girl, the females are going to be the one that pull out that win, especially with the debacle that they had on Raw with that that hideous ending that they had there. You're gonna you're gonna look at it to where the, the uh, AJ and Caitlin finish it off, and it's going to be you know another push for you know a uh, Divas Championship run again for Caitlin.
1: I, I have a nagging suspicion that with the whole popularity of Total Divas, the belt is going to go to the Bellas. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, dude. It's, it's, it's going to happen. The belt is going to them. It, in some shape, way, or form, it's going to come around full circle, and the Bellas are getting the belts. I don't know how, but it's going to happen.
3: Well, the other thing that we're, I'm looking at now is that now, we're, we're, especially with that that diva division, you know, it, it's it's kind of off scale and off balance because now, you know, your your really top face there, which is Caitlyn, is going up against now we have the Bella heels, we have the AJ heel, we have the Layla who's just turned heel. Like it just seems like the the, the line has shifted, so it's like really like. It's obvious that one of them, the one of the 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 heels there, is going to get it. But honestly, like who now is going to step up besides Caitlyn? That's going to even show that they're going to be contenders there. None of them has even uh, have even made any appearance on the main shows as of late, so it it just looks weird.
1: Well, the the funny thing is that there's a rumored. I think it's confirmed now. They're going to do a summer. Oh yeah, um, what's his name? Brad Maddox confirmed that it's going to be Natalia and Maria Menounos at SummerSlam Access, taking on Nicole, uh, one of the Bellas, and a, and a mystery partner, which allegedly is going to be Eva Marie.
3: Oh, yeah. exciting. Everybody line up for that one.
1: Well, here's here's the kicker with that. You're doing it on SummerSlam Access, plus you, you're still possibly teasing the Natalia and Brie Bella singles match. So... Either we're gonna get something on access that then is gonna is gonna turn into that match, but as as far as the match listing I have, it's Natalia with the Funkadactyls taking on Brie Bella, who's gonna have Eva Marie and Nikki Bella. Now, there's always the possibility that they'll use that right there and and turn that into the tag match, but I to put that on the main card and put Ambrose and Rob Van Dam in the pre-show is fucking bullshit if that happens. That is blasphemy
3: at its finest because we saw what happened the last time when they put, in the last pay-per-view where they put the shield on in the pre-show. Yep. And they pretty much stole the show before the show even started. Right. So okay. I, 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 I don't know whether or not, you know, they, they feel like that that match is not going to have enough uh, draw behind it to be for the pay-per-view or maybe or not they don't feel as though... But I I know I know that um the internet base and everybody who I've spoken to were talking about that. This that's that's ridiculous.
1: Well, here's here's the thing with with that with, with the way that match is is probably gonna go. And they'll probably if they do it for access, it'll probably start in access and whatever happens in access will snowball and then they'll throw it somehow on SummerSlam. The only way that I see it not getting put on the on you know on the pay-per-view portion is if they're pressed for time or if they want to use that of the match not making it to pay-per-view for you know more total diva's fodder which could happen yeah. too
3: well whatever they were for uh, they they're pretty much looking at uh, two ends of the spectrum I, you know we're going to get more ratings on the e show or we're going to have our uh, bathroom break during the pay-per-view so it's whatever works for them
1: well what's funny is that Mar- maria is her consistent involvement amuses me because you know allegedly she works to 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 wrestle decent matches but i'm just like yeah you know like it's always weird those hollywood crossovers for me
3: yeah cuz you never know and you know for me it's like a lot of these wrestling, you know, these, these stars that come in, they go, yeah, I've been a fan for years, I remember this, uh, that, that, whatever. But you never really can feel whether or not they're genuinely part of the show or know anything. So it's like you don't know whether, you know, it's just to get the quick buck or they're just, like, fulfilling. And then once it happens, you, you don't get exactly what you're expecting to get out the match. So it's like, oh, yay, she did a cartwheel into a pin. Yay. Pretty much. So, hey, hey, hey those are, like, fillers for me.
1: Well, here's – um. Here's a match and, and it's weird. It's been it's been years since we've seen like a one hundred percent gimmick match. Kane, Bray Wyatt, Ring of Fire.
3: Well, because we can't call we can't call it Inferno match.
1: Oh no no no. Not in the PG era. Oh.
3: And now uh we're not looking to see if anyone goes into flames now. We're just making sure that nobody interferes into the match.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's the seller. That's the big. That's the big sell.
3: <laughs> Look, regardless of what anybody says, somebody's getting burned. <laughs> it's, it's whatever. Somebody is going on fire, and I'm also looking at for that match. Uh, Bray is going to go over because I believe there's rumors at that Kane is going to go film. uh you know, Evil Two. Yep. Two. And um, but I believe that it's going to be that match. It's going to be one of those matches that you pay close attention to because once again, I've like I've always said, Kane is one of the most underrated wrestlers in the history of the business and he pretty much knows how to put guys over and this is definitely going to put the wyatts over if they're not now
1: yeah i think i think kane is going to probably get written off with this match um to give to put the wyatts over if if rumors are to be believed you know the wyatts are a uh, triple h project so you know what that means and um oh. considering his track record with sincara and karma so far you know that he's going to try his hardest to get those guys over
3: well, the only thing, the other thing you want to look for is that, you know, if he if he is going out to f- film the movie, that means when he comes back, the real monster comes back.
1: Yeah, so he needs to come thing. back. With, I'm
3: expecting somebody to get burned. He needs so to, It might be something.
1: He needs to come back. Remember when he filmed the first No Evil and he came out with the hook and the chain, and the hatchet. Right. Like that's like, the kind that, of cane we hype. need. We need that shit. We need cane to come back with the hatchet.
3: Yeah, he. Especially now at the point where, you know, he, 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 the years are getting a little more thinner for him, you know, although the guy could still go. I mean, it's just amazing for a guy his condition and how he is at his age that he can still go the way he does. I know Kevin Nash is sitting there giving all dams to him, but for him to come back, he needs to come back as that monster that when we were kids, when we saw Kane come out, we used to freak the fuck out looking at, at him. I want my kid to feel the same way.
1: I agree. Sorry. Sally. <laughs> I, I definitely agree. Um, Cody Rhodes and Damian Sandow. There's a there's discussion in the chat saying that Sandow's going to cash in if Christian wins the belt. Um, what do you think? What do you, where, where do you see this going?
3: Um, I won't see him cashing in at SummerSlam. Uh, once again, it's going to be you know, he's going to be a little bit more tactical than that for it. But uh, for for I do see Christian going over here. I think everybody's already like done with the alberto Rio thing I, mean, I i even think that probably creative is also pretty much done with him i would say that what he did with um um uh, ricardo rodriguez was very heat worthy but once again it comes back to that thing it's still like uh, it's just blasphemy it's, I, don't, I don't i'm not getting it but i do see christian um getting his uh, getting the, the world title
1: you think sandow will cash in Maybe they'll give the belt no, to Sandow. No, I don't
3: Sandow. think he'll cash in on, on, on. SummerSlam. I will probably expect that he will cash in at maybe the, the, the SmackDown event.
1: Well, here's here's one thing. I think I think Sandow's gonna Sandow's gonna win. And even if Sa- I think Sandow's gonna win, just because they want to keep that momentum going. But I'll be quite honest. If Sandow gave Cody Rhodes the rub, if Cody won this match, it wouldn't hurt Sandow in the least because he could still cash in. Right. The thing with Del Rio. But- the thing with Del Rio that kills me though is that, to, to go with what you said, Del Rio running with the ball hasn't, hasn't really worked out the way they planned. And honestly, I'm a little concerned about them writing off Ricardo because sometimes when they write these guys off, you know the next thing that's going to happen is them getting the fucking can.
3: Right. That's the yeah. That'll be the next way going out the door because it's like, well, creative has nothing for you.
1: Yeah. Like, are, you, then, are is yeah. he going to wrestle? Because if uh, Ricardo can wrestle, and I've, and you know he wrestled well under the mask, and kids kids loved him. You know, kids were into it as as him as L. O. Cal. But right. I don't know if they want to even do that.
3: Yeah, and then the thing you know, like, and then we go back to with Cody. I I don't think Cody you know goes over yet because they're still building with. That face look for him because to me, I still look at Cody and I'm just like, okay, I still can't stand you, but I get it. Like I, I, I'm starting to get a little bit more with him, but I don't think he's gotten that to that point yet because we've seen him as a heel for too long. Yep. So I think they're, I think they're, they're still, still having that, that that face work still going on with him.
1: Well, you know what's funny? If you notice, his move set has become more spot worthy where people cheer, more moonsaults, more. More high spots that people are like, oh shit, you know that's that's probably that's like I saw him do a moonsault. I was like, Cody Rhodes knows how to do a moonsault. Get the fuck out of here.
3: Yeah, and I and I was I was always that type of dude. I was like, oh please, this guy only got on because his dad's a booker. He's this guy, whatever the case may be. But I am one of those guys who who watched the Money in the Bank match and I saw him take it to that next level, and I was like, okay. Now let's see the gears going. Let's see, let, let's see how we can work this now. Let's see, let's see him really get over with, with, with these fans and with, with, with who, who, who can help bring him to that next level. So once after the sandout thing happens, we're going to see what's going to happen with him going to deeper angles with, with top-notch performers.
1: I want to I wanna say this, and this is, this is going to be funny. Christian's coming out, and he's talking about one more match, one more match. How, re- how insane would it be? If he won the belt with one more match and then retired,
3: that would be probably <laughs> the most epic thing we've probably seen in a civil in a, since Mark Henry's fake retirement. But with that still, I think that'll be not only a, a, a classy way to do it. But it would be an Edge and Christian way of going out. Yep. I, I, I think that would be utterly great. I think it would be crazy, but it would be great.
1: Yep, because cause it's funny. It's like, you know, he's using the whole one more match thing as kind of like his tagline and shit. But imagine that. He's like, I got one more match. I won the belt. And, you know, Edge, this is for you. You know, I officially retire as champion. But, like, but yo, I, people know, would lose, lose their shit, dude.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's for doing some self promotion with the face and heel, you know. And basically, you know, Christian was given that because, you know, people tend to forget that, you know, after the Edge and Christian tag team broke up, they went away. And even when Christian left, went to TNA, it was Christian Cage, whatever. The guy showed that he can work away from what he was accustomed to. Like, yep. you know, he was able to show that he, he can work and put together matches. And when he came back, it showed that he was still as good as when he was, you know, 10 years younger. So for him to, you know, come in to say, I want that one last push, I think he'll be along the way when he's looking at Edge and saying, you know what, you're having a good life in retirement. I think I can go out that same way, but I'm going to go out as a champion.
1: And the other thing is those guys like Edge and Christian, one thing they've always talked about in a lot of interviews they've done, it's like, yo, they've never fell into the trappings of the business. Like, you know, they don't need nine cars. Like, Like they've been very smart with their money.
3: Yeah, you could see that you know these were these were performers these were guys who ate the business from childhood they came in at that right time and they came up at the right time you know just you know just during the attitude era into the two, the millennium changing and all that stuff and they rode the wave perfectly you know it, it, no, the only you know the only big ripple effect was you know the edge and leader thing, but even still that brought them into that brought Edge to a next level and even Christian to another way because if you look at the accomplishments these guys had, you know, taxing titles is one thing, but single straps they collected a lot of belts.
1: Well, there's remember the angle of Christian and Jericho feuding over Trish Stratus.
3: Oh yeah, that, that was
1: <laughs> that was some good TV, man. I was like, holy shit, Christian and 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 Jericho putting together some some pretty fancy fucking four star matches.
3: Yeah, and you know, and that's the other thing too, where you see, you're sitting there thinking like, come on, really, Jericho, this guy he's gonna he's going he's gonna walk over this kid. And then when you see the matches, like you said, if guys, if you haven't seen it, uh, go back to your go back to any YouTube's that you see Christian versus Jericho. I, I couldn't say that any of those matches had any botches or anything in it. Very, very 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 classic very very deep matches.
1: Well, you know what was funny? Them showing in the video package, edge. I mean, Christian holding the ECW belt. I said to myself at the time. When Christian won the ECW belt, I'm like, you could probably build your brand around this guy,
3: right? And they did. And, the, and for the long part, you know, it could have been that way, but what happens is, is you know, the machine felt at that point like we're not going to really give you guys much. So hey, we'll give you Christian as a bone, but it turned out to be that he was probably one of the brightest champions that they had there.
1: Yep. Well. Moving up, speaking of another uh, ECW 2.0 original, CM Punk, Brock Lesnar, of course, Paul Heyman involved. Um, rumors are that this is Lesnar's last match till Mania. If that's to be believed, then we can kind of see where it's going. But nonetheless, what do you think? You think you Lesnar's going to give Punk the rub, or you think Lesnar's going to go out in, in decisive fashion?
3: Listen, if everybody knows me on Facebook and what I am, I'm a Punk guy. But I'm also a Heyman guy, and my idea for this one is that I'm hoping that it's not a, a train wreck. You're calling it is probably going to be the show stealer, which I'm praying for. But we've seen Brock. We're only going to hope if Brock can be receptive to certain things. And mind you, if you watch the Raws sort over of the past couple of weeks, he's already hurt Punk a couple of times. And I'm not talking about kayfabe hurt. Like you've seen Punk walk away with cuts on his face. His shoulder might be a little bit out of, out of place. And like, Brock is still stiff. So the one thing we're looking at is make sure Punk doesn't get hurt during this match. Then we're going to look at possibly of how the whole Paul Heyman effect works in here. What do you, what do you, how do you think Paul is going to play out here?
1: I think Paul's going to get involved, and I think they're going to do it in a way where Paul may get hurt to write him off for a little bit. And that'll help him probably work with Curtis Axel behind the scenes, and then you can maybe shift it into an Axel CM Punk program with the IC belt as a, you know, as as the as the talking point, so to speak, between those guys. Because I think that's a little
3: as a little bacon shaken in the wind for CM Punk to have until he goes back for the, the right. title belt.
1: Right, and I think that would work, and I think it would be a great way because Heyman has been such a driving force, but I think that too much Heyman. Is gonna is gonna water down Curtis Axel like Axel is good with Heyman and it works, but if you do it in such a way where CM Punk kind of gets his revenge, it allows the focus to be on Axel and then Punk can give Axel the rub, you know, and kind of put him over.
3: Well, I'm just I, I, the one thing that I'm looking for is that, I, I'm hoping that the you know during the match it's not the cliche referee stops the match and tells Paul to go to the back you know that's just so cliche Paul like you said it'd be better if that Paul gets hurt he's gone and, and that that works even better but I'm looking for not only high spots from Punk but the big power moves from Brock that are that are gonna be clean not, not, yep. it's not gonna be stiff but it's gonna be the old Brock Lesnar yep. like he was showing glimpse of it you know during his his angle with with, uh, with Cena he showed a you know somewhat here and there with with Triple H, but if we could see that one Brock Lesnar that I went to war with the Kurt Angle with you know with, with 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 the Big Show like that that type of Brock, then we're gonna have a solid match.
1: Well, here's here's a a, a thing too that's an X factor. Who's to say we won't see a new Heyman guy?
3: Uh uh uh. This who is who th- could th- this be? Which this is
1: not a bad thing
3: because like. It's, it's The one thing that I, I, I really want wrestling go back to, which is it, it's, it, I think they shied away from it because they wanted to branch out and everybody else individually has stars, is to bring back the stables. The stables is a fine thing. It's, it's, it's healthy. Yep. It helps build character. So to have a new aiming guy wouldn't be a bad thing. But would it be somebody already on the roster or are they bringing somebody up?
1: Well, here's the way I saw it. I think if you're bringing somebody up, I would bring up Leo Kruger.
3: You would bring up Kruger over
1: Ono? Well, Ono's in the shithouse. Ono would have been my first choice, but you know Ono's in the shithouse because he doesn't want to, you know, get, get a WWE physique, you know, or get himself in shape.
3: Right.
1: That's the problem. Or
3: maybe, or, or, or maybe a Corey Graves.
1: Corey Graves might work because he kind of has that anti-hero CM Punk, but it's almost like CM Punk feuding with himself. The only way that could work is if, you know, Paul Heyman says the only way to beat CM Punk is to create a new CM Punk.
3: King Jimmy puts on it, Darren Young joins the Paul Heyman club, well, the first gay Paul Heyman guy. Oh, Jesus. uh then 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 we'll spin it to, that'll be spinning to another storyline. Yeah. But even so, even if RVD goes back with Paul, it could probably be something interesting also. Well, the only reason... Because remember. It, 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 that's because if they, you know, if they even shine light into the old ECW days and the stuff like that, that would actually be something that could actually spin. Because it's still a, it's still a good program to see RVD versus CM Punk.
1: The only reason I didn't say RVD would get it is because allegedly the, he hasn't been involved in any feuds because he's gonna be taking time off. Like he came in for a little bit and he's gonna take a, a I believe, a, a month or two off and then he's gonna come back. He's gonna do the Jericho schedule. Right, so uh, it,
3: it,
1: you know yeah, it, so it's it, risky
3: it, it would be it would be good see i i I'm not sure if they're ready to bring anybody up because you know the the roster's still getting' It's, it's looking a little full right now, but it would be interesting to see if, if 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 another Heyman guy would be added to the stable
1: I'd bring Kruger up because you fill that big guy Brock Lesnar void for the foreseeable future, right, Leo Kruger's a scary fucking dude, man, like at least if oh, he comes he in there. It'll look good
3: oh, he, with Punk. He is. Let me tell you. I, you know, if you guys don't watch NXT, I I, I wholeheartedly tell you guys find the site, get it on YouTube, whatever the case it may be. Leo Kruger is one of those guys that once you know that he's gonna once he makes it to the main roster, if you watch him work, he's gonna be a problem for a lot of guys to work with because he he's he's that good.
1: Well, they, they, we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Personally, I think. I also kind of feel that Lesnar's owed the win because of, you know, all the shit he's kind of had, all the guys he's kind of had to put over. And it's like, don't get me wrong, Lesnar's probably making, you know, four or five million dollars. He may not give a shit, but if you water down his stock too much, nobody's going to care.
3: Hey, look, I, t- I said it, it earlier in the week. If Punk really wants to win, just tell him to bring... um. Overeem and King Velasquez <laughs> with him to the ring. Brock Lesnar will not get past the gorilla position.
1: This is true. Well, you never know. I, I, it's it's a tough it's a tough call. I mean, to to kind of put it full circle, I'd like to see Lesnar go over, but in terms of longevity and doing something with the character and maybe the feud, Punk Punk would be the guy to go with.
3: I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping once again that just. Don't get him injured. Just you know, get let Punk win and just keep him, keep him, keep him around for a little. We don't, I don't, we don't need to see him sit around for another couple of months.
1: Well, King Jimmy says Lesnar put over Cena, you know, and he's like, you know, what are you guys talking about? He's like, yeah, Lesnar put over Cena, but it wasn't putting him over. Like, you know, and I think he was Les- really passing the
3: torch. Like, he right, was like, like, I'm leaving. I don't care. I'm if, if this is the guy you guys want to carry the torch when I'm leaving fine. It wasn't like, you know, Hogan passing it to Rock or no, no, he was disgruntled and he just wanted to leave. That's a different aspect of it.
1: Well, I think also the other thing you have to look at with Lesnar is that Lesnar is um he's he's not a return on investment kind of a guy. When I'm what I'm saying with with regards to that is that you you spent all this money on the guy and yeah, I know Vince is probably getting his rocks off having him lose, but you know it's it's not it's not helping his situation to, to keep him around. I mean, Lesnar doesn't care because it's free money, but in terms of character longevity, you're not you're not doing right for business.
3: And by, and by this point in his career, I don't think Cena needs to be put over. Nope. Like, yeah, he he it's 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 done deal with him. He's a man. He's a he's a man behind the throttle now. So. At, at, at this point, right now, it's it, it, it's it's go it's going to be that goal time. And like you said, Leslie's is going to that type of guy that's like, "All right, see you guys at Mania. That's <laughs> it's it. Just uh, just give me more time to work out."
1: Well, Cena, Cena and Brian. You know, Triple H is the guest referee. I threw out a couple of scenarios. Where do you see it going? Cena's got that big tennis ball in his elbow. Do you, do you think do you think Brian is going to get the belt and keep the belt, or do you think we may get the cash in? Did we?
3: See this before? Didn't we have this angle before where Vince wasn't happy with CM Punk and you know being like we've been here? Yep. That's that's the other thing that I like about WWE because I love how they make they they recycle shit and they tell you no 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 it's not shit this is actually gourmet this this is good stuff like no this is recycled shit we ate this two years ago but the best part about it is now they put the spin on it because where now Stephanie's involved and now it's the whole tug of war with the family. Look, I'm with everybody on this one. Brian has to go over and go over big on this one. If Randy cashes in that night, and I'm I'm going to say I'm more positive that he would cash in than Sandow, but if Randy cashes in that night, you're talking about monster heat on Monday. Yep. Ridiculous. This is true. Ridiculous. Randy – Randy's not only going to get booed out of the, the building. I I wouldn't be surprised if stuff starts flying in the ring. It's going to oh, be shit. ridiculous. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. And that would probably be the best way. Because I, I was looking at it like this would probably be the most, like, solid moment to where Cena would get that whole dark side look. You know, Brian beats him. Cena gets up. He's upset. Hits him with the FU. The crowd goes, oh, what did you just do? Randy comes out, cashes in. That's, that's how I would write it.
1: Well, you know what the funny thing is? I, I, as much as I would like it, I'd like to see him make Cena tap out. And then Cena goes, you only got the submission win because my elbow was fucked up. You know, like not right. letting him shine. Because you can then continue to feud when Cena comes back. Because Daniel Bryan will be like, damn, you can't even give me the respect. I beat you. And he's like, yo, you right. beat me because I wasn't 100%.
3: That 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 works also, which also will lead to you know the that whole piece, and then you know that's that, it starts the layers off because you can't with Cena you can't do like Hogan did nope. you know when he turned heel you, know, you can't do it where it's just like that quick instant it's done no with Cena you have to do peel back the layers little by little let's draw him out let's see let's see the dark side come out and that's the only way because I other than that if this doesn't happen anytime soon I mean you're, I know you're hoping maybe two three years whatever the case may be. If it don't happen, if it doesn't happen soon, it's not gonna happen.
1: This is true, also. I mean, it's, it's 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 weird with him because, like I said, he's already he's already so polarizing. But his charity work and all the stuff he does is so big, and it's such a major marketing tool that unless you can create a super face, which I feel you could probably do with Daniel Bryan, because like I said, people can connect with him more from a humble working class guy standpoint. It's gonna be hard, like. The reason Hogan became a super face was because, I mean, a super heel was because you had guys that could fill it in. You know, they they put Goldberg in that role, they put Sting in that role.
3: Yeah, and you're looking at it, and, it, and also with Brian, he, like you say, he comes from these humble beginnings, and then also, you know, he's he's the he's small. He's not you know the big muscle bound champ. You know, it, the fans relate to, and plus, and even when I said in the chat room earlier, we we haven't seen most of his repertoire. Yep. in the In the years that Brian has been there, I've only seen probably like 20, 20 moves that he has there. Where, where I've seen him in Ring of Honor, and I've seen him in, in in other promotions where he's pulled out ridiculous amount of holds that guys are like, "Whoa, where the hell did that come from?" And as champion, I'm hoping that we can see that grow more and more so that it gives everybody the reason to even more back him.
1: Well, we'll see what happens, and I'm sure I'm sure you'll be sharing your. Thoughts on the fan page. I figured while you're here, I'll touch on some of the uh, the wrestling news stories for this week. Of course, including the big one. Um, what first... happened? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, um, check this out. Eva Marie gets shit on. Everybody hates her. But JoJo Offerman is singing the national anthem at SummerSlam. So it it goes oh. to it goes to show you where they're going with that.
3: <laughs> uh, God, I hope she doesn't shoot the pooper on that one. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> Definitely not. The other, the other, but here's the thing. Um, you know, w- with with that, I think that they that they're seeing if Offerman has more to offer. You know what I mean? No, no pun intended.
3: I was about to say good wordplay there.
1: Yeah, because you, you know, what I mean, she uh. she they don't really do much with her, and it's like, all right, if she could sing, then they may have something there. Right. they are. Um, I just I I, I I like
3: I said, it's just it, 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 it's gonna. The, the, I, I hope they do well with their women demographic, I and mean, I hope that that's what they're, they're aiming for. Either that or they're just going to throw a lot of hot, you know, half-naked chicks on there and hope the guys watch it.
1: Well, we'll see what's happening with that. WWE's dropping a uh, Money in the Bank anthology on DVD and Blu-ray, and I could go down the match list, but all I'm going to say is this. First ever Money in the Bank match with Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Shelton Benjamin, Edge, Christian, and Kane is on this set.
3: That is the epitome of what the Money in the Bank match was built to be and what it's supposed to be each year. There you go. And I'm still upset that it's not a WrestleMania match anymore.
1: Yep. So that's where they're, that's where they're going with that. It's a, it's a three-disc set. But then on the Blu-ray exclusives, you're getting uh, Edge cashing it in on John Cena from New Year's Revolution. And then Rob Van Dam cashing it in on John Cena from One Night Stand.
3: Which was probably one of the biggest nights in wrestling history. Probably top, if not top 10, probably top 20, maybe, yeah. But, yeah.
1: All yeah. the, all the Blu-ray night. bonuses are, are the cashing in. You know, CM Punk cashing it in on Edge. Uh, Kane cashing oh, it in fun. on Rey Mysterio, which I totally forgot about.
3: Right. That was, the a matter of fact, they, I believe he cashed in that same night.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's going to be a set worth picking up. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is there's there's some rumors that they want to put SmackDown at three hours.
3: Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's probably a little bit more. Oh, so. uh, no, I, I don't think that that would actually work full-heartedly. Unless, you know, look, like I said, we, if you put in three hours, give me more wrestling, not more... Advertisement and commercials, because that's what pretty much everything is. I get it, you know. You know, the business is built on promotion and, and you know segments, whatever. But I remember watching Nitro, Monday Night Nitro, three hours. I, it was jam packed with wrestling. Well, you know what, Luchadors, the... Mick Carter's, everything. Like I, I did, you couldn't turn your head around and not see a wrestling match going on.
1: Well, supposedly their sci-fi deal is expiring. So maybe when they re-sign, they may try and leverage that extra hour. Honestly, I would probably use that hour, quite quite frankly, and give it to NXT. Yeah,
3: it's a fucking hour. Yeah, because I know that they were talking about, you know, because since they've been full, you know, waiting for this WWE network to happen, which God knows when that'll occur. But that's where you know that was going to be one of their flagship programs to go off was going to be the NXT show. But, yeah, like you said, that would be probably the best place where they'll showcase the NXT.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see that. but, but, but a, th- uh, a three hour a three hour uh smackdown i don't I don't know sometimes raw for three hours drags on
3: I mean now I mean we, we, what we're looking at now is that you know with we, we're with Paul behind you know creative and also Zeb, I mean they're they're trying. I mean, at least you know. At least when they put it for three hours, it was like, "What you know?" It is dragging. But now we're looking at it; it's it, it, it's slow pay. It's slowly building up, you know. I, and I, you can only hope by the next few months that it's actually going to be something that you're going to sit there and go, "Wow, I'm not falling asleep by ten o'clock."
1: This is true.
2: Yeah. Well, the
1: the, the, the last the last bit of news, of course, is the big news story, and I know you know everyone's been talking about it, and it was about you know Darren Young coming out as. Um, You know, being homosexual on TMZ. Now, the crazy thing about this is that everybody's all, oh, you know, Darren Young, incredibly courageous, blah, blah, blah. But it's like Orlando Jordan was in the WWE. He came out. Dudes didn't want to work with him. The late Chris Canyon, shortly after he was released, it was revealed that he was also gay. And it was this it was the same thing it's like all of a sudden everybody's cheering because you use social media to do it like like i'm not downplaying it you know i, I actually commend the guy for doing it in such a nonchalant way because it what he didn't do no press conference there wasn't this whole big press release etc cetera, etc cetera. it was just hey you know but i also feel that it was a bit staged because they, so looking, look at the line of uh, questioning uh, in that video. Right,
3: right, and which is which is which led me to. You know, I was thinking the same thing also because even his, even his, his response came off like I'm gay and that, that means I'm happy and I'm a happy person and I'm sitting going. Well, are you saying that you're, you're you're gay as in the definition of gay being happy or are you saying gay because you're homosexual? Like it was still like that thin line, like probably tomorrow it was like, hey, it was only a gag, everybody. Like you're not quite sure. But with the whole press release from WWE and such, I, you know, that's that's a full heart uh, commitment. So you just have to go all out, I guess. Yeah. I, I you know. I, I the way I'm looking at it is, is like like you said, you know, Orlando Jordan did it. He went to T N A and even made made his lifestyle a gimmick. A gimmick of himself. And he couldn't get it over for nothing. No, I mean he had that that one angle with Rob Terry, and then after that, poof, he faded away. And like seriously, I mean and this is and this is a talented dude. Well, like Orlando Jordan had like you know potential.
1: Here's here's where here's where I see the 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 good and the bad with this, and this is what people aren't aren't talking about. The first thing is Vince McMahon notorious for turning real life into angles. See Edge and Matt Hardy. Um, I don't want that to become an angle because it's like we're in a different era, and things have kind of evolved beyond that being taboo subject matter. On the contrary, it would appear to be insensitive if they ventured into that territory.
3: Well, especially with that now, and they have the whole "be a star" campaign where you know they can even start tailing it that way. Hey, I even made a joke on. The, the, the chat page, but it's true. Zeb Culture can come. Uh, c- Zeb Culture could come out right now, and in three weeks' time, start throwing out homophobic homophobic slurs and let the angle begin because that's when the real freaking the the, the fan base is gonna explode, waiting for Darian to come out to defend that, and the push will be heavier than ever.
1: Well, that and the but- other the other thing that bo- that bothers me with that is that. I commend him once again for for doing what he did because that's that's huge. But you do realize that when you come out for matches in Middle America in the Bible Belt, not only are people going to boo you, but you know that when you walk out somebody's going to somebody's going to call him a fag or something derogatory oh. on his way out. And and you uh, that's where I'm saying that for him to do that is bigger than just, hey, you know, the guy came out of the closet, or however you want to look at it. It's the fact that you just opened yourself up to being ripped to shreds when WWE goes into areas where that lifestyle is frowned upon.
3: Well, if if anybody remembers, you know, I'm probably dating myself for now, but I was just recently... Watching on WWE Class- Classics where they had the old TNT episode and Adrian Adonis was on there. Yep. And I even forgot that when he first started the gimmick of uh, Adorable Adrian Adonis that he sat on that couch. He, he was angry about something he started going off and you people out there. And he stopped in, mid- in-, 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 in mid-speech and stood up straight up in the air and said, I'm gay. And you felt even on TV and I, even myself I felt like, like everybody in the crowd just went whoa <laughs> it was just like okay cuz you, you you didn't hear that before what? and from then on whenever he went and like you said in the bible belt midwest they 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 slammed
1: him you have to take into consideration we live in a we live in a society where mark henry I mean mark henry where well even even where where mark henry is a guy who's a talented guy never got the belt where Ahmed Johnson when he was a main eventer he wrote he said that they wrote nigger on his car and this is what i'm saying like it's it's very easy to commend the guy and it's true it's it's a it's a it's a testament to the guy taking you know taking life and saying all right fuck it let the let the chips fall where they may but what's gonna what's gonna come with that is 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 good and bad and what concerns me most is the fact that this is – we live in a society where if if Mark Anthony sings the national anthem, he gets called a dirty Mexican because nobody knows that the guy's Puerto Rican. You know this. You know yeah, that I mean, if you're not <laughs> – that if you're anything but possibly African-American and even then because people – we're in that society where – the, the specter of social media is pretty much the equivalent of your hand up a fucking puppet's, you know, up a puppet's ass, in the sense that this is the puppet, he does all the talking for me, and that's what people use social media for. Do you think, for one second, that when he starts actively being on television, because you know they're going to put him on television a little more, that people aren't going to say some foul shit?
3: Well, and then the two things is that, like you just mentioned, it's He's a double threat because not only is he gay, he's black. Yep. So whoa, <laughs> we, we got some slurs that can fly out of there. Exactly. And then, what I found, which was very interesting, was that they, they did they, you know they, they TMZ caught this interview. They put him on. They put it out there. He's at the airport, and no sooner than he went out and he put him out there publicly to the world. WWE was already right on that bandwagon going, hey, guess where he's going to be at? He's going to be at the uh, Be A Star, the next, the, the next uh, meeting yep. with the kids to talk about what he's going to be going through and what he faced when he was growing up. They, they, they found a way to throw him into something.
1: Yep. And that's, and that's <laughs> what I'm that saying. Wave. And that's what I'm saying. And, and my concern is that if you're going to... Listen. If, if you're going to use it in a positive light and let him speak at Be A Star events... Sure, it'll be very motivational. It'll be the right thing to do. Please don't make an angle out of it. Please Well, I'm
3: just hoping that they don't Yeah, like you said, they make it an angle, and they don't really make the gimmick out. Like they just they'll just make him like ridiculously flamboyant now because you know, they'll 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 make him like Rico or something in that magnitude, like a Chuck and Billy type thing. Like although like Let's just keep it as what it is. Look, he's a wrestler, you know, and then, you know, if it comes up that somebody says something, you know, that's remotely homophobic or, you know, saying something, oh, you, you fight like a sissy or something like that, then, you know, take him out there and let him whip somebody's ass for a little while. You know, that, that's cool. Don't just make him the symbol of the right. gay community. Right. Like, don't, you know, I don't, don't I, martyr yeah, the guy. I don't
1: think they want that. Nope. Don't martyr the guy. Let the guy get over based on ability and talent, and then of course, you know, all the wrestlers congratulating him and all that stuff, and that's great, and you know, it's great that he has the the support of all his peers, that doesn't bother me, but you also gotta remember, this is, like, do you honestly think, and let's not kid ourselves here folks, do you think Vince McMahon was applauding what he did? No, the fuck he wasn't!
3: No, oh please! And in, in, in the back of his mind, he's like, I didn't know I hired this guy. Like it, it it's not, it's not in his nature. The only way that he was looking at it was like, okay, how can we make money off of this? That's what he was looking at. That's what he was actually applauding.
1: Yep. He's a, he's applauding money, and again, get, absorbing a new demographic.
3: Right, and you know, like we said before, the reason why you know with the Orlando Jordan's and unfortunately with the the Chris Canyon situation, it's like it wasn't. The right time, you know, now is that time with, you know, the way that, you know, how the gay rights movement is going on, the advocacy, you know, that had such a big push for it. This is the time where everybody could be, you know, uncomfortable somewhat to say at that time, everybody was like, listen, if you're gay, just don't tell anybody about it. You know, Pat, you know, know, Pat Patterson's issues for years, all the speculation was there. Yep. But it was just. Rushed underneath the, the rug. No,
1: yeah, no. well, Ahmed Johnson and I talked about this last week. He called um, Pat Patterson a gay bully.
3: Yeah, and it, it's 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 sad to hear, but it's also something where you go, you know what?
1: I'm not shocked.
3: I can see that happen. I can see that happening.
1: Yeah, there you go. I, I can
3: see that happening.
1: Well, there you have it, ladies and gents. Just um, wrap things up because we're hitting the the two a.m. mark. Uh, House of Glory. Ooh. I I want to use Street Fighter Cross Tech and House of Glory Cross Ring of Honor Uh, this Sunday. Gonna be huge. You will be in the house with the regulars. I will be there working the event.
3: Regulars, we in the building. Listen, if you guys don't, you know, just quickly, the magnitude of this is ridiculous because it's like I've been saying it like this. It's like the New York Giants coming to your high school to play your football team. Right. You know, and that matters because it's a big, Ring of Honor is a big promotion that's coming to an indie. And, and you know, say in Ridgewood. And and it's not like, you know, you're getting, you know, castles, big names. Michael Elgin in the building, Adam Cole, you know, facing the, the House of Glory students. And, you know, the trainers, is Amazing Red, Brian Excel. It, it, that someday is going to be huge.
1: Dude, all I got to say, Kevin fucking Steen.
3: <laughs> I'm 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 already at a loss of words. I would not even. I'm not even know how I'm gonna act that day. To <laughs> see Steen at work when I the last Ring of Honor event I saw and he was in there. I was so impressed on how a guy his size moves. You know, it, it's just it, just not to see the close in person is gonna be amazing for me. I'm just it, hashtag regular is gonna be ridiculous in there.
1: <laughs> there you go. All right, so we will be there Sunday. Um, of course, follow Jay on Twitter at JaySantiPSW. Anything else you want to put out there?
3: Is Visit four o'clock door time uh, for the Ring of Honor House of Glory show on Sunday? That's four o'clock doors open, and uh, they just you know follow me on Twitter and, uh, and on Facebook, and you know me at my take. My take, I, I take over Impact Thursdays and uh, SmackDown Fridays.
1: There you go. You, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll probably do SummerSlam Sunday, knowing you.
3: Oh, oh, you know, I'll find a way to get there.
1: There you go. All right, homie. All thank right, you for calling. thanks for your time. All right, brother. Peace. Later. All right, guys, just a quick time check. It is 1.55 in the morning Eastern Standard Time. Uh, The Blog Talk Radio feed will go off air at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, but you can continue listening to the show via Mixler or you can go to mtrlive.com and you can listen to the show there. Just make sure to mute the GFQ player, and that way you'll be able to listen to the show and not have to deal with any echoes. All right, so there you have it. We uh, broke down the the Darren Young situation, which I'm sure is going to continue to make news in the coming weeks. Um, We can only hope that people conduct themselves tastefully. I mean, I was on the fan page and I saw I saw people making some commentary about some stuff. And listen, I don't censor anybody. And it's all good. But but please, if if you're going to comment about that stuff on the Facebook fan page, please um, conduct yourselves accordingly. I will not tolerate hate speech i mean i saw some of the stuff there it was it was borderline but it wasn't you know people calling him a fag or any of that stuff but even in general just just keep keep hate hate speech off the page i let i let people say whatever you you want to call somebody a a jizz bag, knock yourself out but keep keep hate speech off the page that's all i'm saying all right so we're going to get into this week's gaming segment because there's Quite a bit of news to discuss, and then we will sprint to the finish to talk some entertainment news, so let's get the ball rolling on the gaming side. So, of course, Xbox is in the news this week for a couple of reasons. First up, uh, Phil Spencer told official Xbox Magazine that Xbox will be supporting the 360 For a long time, he went on to say as follows. Last generation was different for us. We moved pretty quickly. This time you'll see us staying committed to the Xbox 360. I think it's a great platform in certain areas like trying to switch apps quickly. It shows that it was built in a different era. But in terms of the price point, the content library, I bet it's going to have the largest content library ever created in the history of the game space. So it's a great time even now to get into the Xbox 360 ecosystem. It's something we'll remain committed to on the content side as well as the platform itself. Here's here's the catch with that. And and this is one of those things where people people were going crazy because obviously they were talking about the whole connect thing which I'm going to get into in a second, but the fact is all your Xbox Live stuff at at presently you can't transfer over to the Xbox one 90 seconds There goes the English lady yelling about 90 seconds Anyway the fact is they're going to they're going to talk about the 360 and try and make the 360 appealing because they know that people are still stinging from the fact that all that digital content they purchased they can't carry over to the Xbox one Will that change? Maybe it it may, it may, but as of right now, we all know that you need the 360 to enjoy that content. Again, I figured I'd give her the 60 seconds so she could say what she's going to say. I'll edit that out. People are going to look at it from the standpoint where if you're going to want to keep enjoying all that digital content, you're going to want to keep your 360. This is what we were talking about when Slick, myself, and Andrew Zarian, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, were discussing on air. And it's the fact that it's not so much that you have to keep your 360. It's just the fact that you're going to have tons of fucking black boxes. That's what I'm saying. In other words, think about it. You got your regular Xbox, which you're still going to play X games on, whatever it's going to be, whether it's your Xbox Live games or not. I know a couple of guys who I spoke to, they're saying, yeah, you know, I'll probably just sell the 360 and be done with it. But when you've invested a lot... Ten in that- seconds. All right, ten seconds. Ten seconds. There you go. If you're if you're listening the blog talk radio feed will end in 10 seconds. You can continue listening on mtrlive.com. So, as I was saying, you're going to look at it like the ecosystem you've invested so much money. Let's let's think about this. If you bought like Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition on Xbox Live, uh, Scott Pilgrim, uh the Sonic games, any of the original games that they've done, and you can't and you still play them on occasion like street fighter 3 third strike is a good example that people are still playing third strike online and you can't transfer that over to the new system again it 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 boils down to they they're trying to do damage control while telling people that their hardware will still be relevant like i said a couple of people say to me yeah i'm just going to sell my 360 and be done with it but there are people that they just they don't really buy a lot of shit they don't buy a lot of dlc or you know a lot of that stuff, so they they could give two shits. But for those of us that that buy a lot of DLC games and and buy a lot of games that are on sale, like when they did the uh, the Sega sale, you know I bought Virtual Fighter Five for like ten bucks. It's like I have to keep the three hundred and sixty because I still play that, and this is the kind of shit I'm talking about. Now, obviously, newer games are going to come out that are going to replace those classics. But by the time it comes out, to where you won't feel the sting as much. The, the value of the 360 is going to be nothing. You're going to probably be able to bag a 360 pretty soon for $100. Seriously. Anyway, so the other thing that made news on the Xbox side was the fact that they decided that from now on, the Xbox One can still work without the Kinect being plugged in. Initially, you guys remember that when the Xbox One was announced, it was designed to work with the Kinect plugged in. He said that, you know, these are some of the few system-wide benefits. It allows you to move between games, using your voice, etc., etc., etc. But it seems that you won't need the Connect if you don't care about those features. Now, of course, when this came out, people were complaining. They were like, oh, this is fucking bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And this is, I'll, I'll explain why I'm not angry about this. First of all, As of right now, as of October, uh, October, as of August 16th, they, the price of the Xbox is still going to be $500 with the Kinect. So, you know, the thing about that is that if you don't need the Kinect, then don't, then what they'll probably release a system without it. And they may charge a little less. They might as of right now, they, they haven't confirmed it but either way people bitched about the connect being required so they removed it now you bitch that they removed it now if you're bitching because you want a price drop i can understand but you're ju- but some people were just bitching for the sake to bitch and that's where i felt that the gaming community there's just you can't win with them like yeah i was i didn't trust the whole having the connect always on it was it was a little sketchy but whatever I knew I was gonna buy the system at some point and be done with it. The shit that gets me is that you're you're gonna have the option of playing the system without the connect, so are you gonna release one that's cheaper? Or are they saving that? A lot of people are saying that they're saving that and they're gonna drop that at Gamescom. I don't know. It's 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 sketchy, or they may have a separate event and go, hey, by the way, you can buy the Xbox One without a connect for, you know, three forty nine. Could happen, but I doubt it. Now, you know, King Jimmy in the chat says that they're going to do a Vita bundle with PS4, allegedly, for $500. That's fucking huge. I agree, people will shit. It's very huge because you got to think about it. You put this system out, and you and you need to get Vita units into more hands. For what you'd pay for the Xbox One, you get two consoles. Two for that price and 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 you know you can you can utilize the PlayStation store and play the games between both consoles. Very 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 smart marketing from Sony if they go that route. If the Xbox One comes with the connect or doesn't come with the connect it doesn't bug me. Like I said, the only thing that bugs me is that if you're going to put out a system without the connect, it better be fucking cheaper. And I'm not talking about you know $50 cheaper cuz I'm sure that the connect by itself is going to retail for a hundred bucks, so you got you got to do either three fifty, kind of keeping it in the mid ground, or three hundred, but you can't you can't have that. Even even going down to four hundred, is is kind eh, you know it's it's a little it's iffy. The I remember a couple of years back they were talking about console sweet spots, and they were saying that the that the 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 price point to move consoles has always been two forty nine and lower. Obviously, with the cost of technology, that has changed. But what I'm seeing is that the three sixty is probably gonna drop to one forty nine at some point, you know, with some with some mediocre hard drive size. And then the the connect, maybe, maybe three forty nine. Uh that might be a stretch. And then, you know, one fifty the 150 premium for the the connect being included with the Xbox 1 it could happen but i just i like i said i'm not going to bitch about them including it or not including it i just want to see a price drop if you're going to put a system out without the connect that's all i'm saying it's a long it's a long road to november but a lot of people that i've spoken to have said that the PlayStation 4 even with all the the backpedaling and all the the 180s that Xbox has done the PlayStation continues to be more appealing. Myself I'll be I'll go on record and saying that I'll probably pick up both systems. Am I am am I a fan of having to probably pick up an HDMI switch because I'm going to have I'm going to need more HDMI ports? Yeah, probably. Cuz right now I have four HDMI ports. They utilize my cable box, my PlayStation 3, my Xbox 1 and my Google TV. So they're all being used. I'll probably have to get an HDMI switch, run all my consoles through the HDMI switch to free up a port. But again, it's just another added expense just because of the lack of backwards compatibility. On the PlayStation side, we know that that you know the whole Gaikai system is is is, you know, laying in wait and probably will be able to to transfer those purchases and download all the old stuff and play all the old stuff on the new system, but it's still kind of being discussed, and we don't know the how how far away it is, so for the time being, I'm going to need to keep four black boxes in my home theater. Simple as that. But we'll see how it unfolds. Like I said, it's a long road to November, and we may still get some news in Gamescom, or we may get a, an independent Xbox event down the road as well. Of course, everybody was buzzing about NetherRealm Studios' announcement of Zatanna joining um, Martian Manhunter in Injustice. But if you do pick up Zatanna, you will get the um, uh, what you call it, the compatibility pack with a Cyborg Superman skin. So if you if you are interested in getting that, you can pick up Zatanna and get the Cyborg Superman skin in addition to Martian Manhunter. If you want to go that route. I don't know if I'm going to pick up these two characters. I got the, you know, somebody gave me the season pass for the first set of characters. I'm not sure if I'm going to wait for another season pass or if I'm just going to wait for like a complete edition of Injustice, but it's, it's starting to get a little crazy because like I said, 60 bucks, 75 for the season pass, you know, uh, the extra 15 Now you got an extra 10 so it's so it's, it's getting crazy. It's it's really getting crazy. So you got 75, 80, you got 85 already with the game and DLC. It's, it's definitely, it's ruffling a few feathers, I'll tell you that. And because of the the history that Nether Realm has, people know that there will be some sort of ultimate complete edition, which is just going to have everything bundled in. So And I've been seeing that a lot. We'll see how it unfolds. If you've been on MyTakeRadio.com this past week, you will have seen that th- that 2K Sports announced the 30 years of WrestleMania mode for WWE 2K14. That's going to have uh, 30 years of WrestleMania and allow you to experience 45 classic matches, including Hogan versus Andre from WrestleMania 3, Hogan versus Rock from WrestleMania 18, and of course, Rock and John Cena from uh, WrestleMania 28. And the thing about that is that people are they're pretty pumped but like anything else and and this is something I've talked about they're like oh yeah you know you get to play as Hollywood Hogan and you get to play as Hulk Hogan it's like look those better not be two roster slots all I'm saying is read the one you know in other words if Hogan's in the game just have Hollywood Hogan be the alternate do not have waste character slots for some of these other guys like if if anything and, and you're recreating WrestleMania matches, it really leads me to believe that the whole Goldberg rumor is, is going to happen. Because Brock Lesnar is probably going to be in the game, and we're probably going to get uh, Lesnar and Goldberg, which we all know. And the fact is that once that's done, you're, you know, it's a no-brainer. But again, make them skins and don't make them roster, you know, roster slots. That's all I'm saying. But again, that's going to be part of the single-player campaign when WrestleMania drops October 29th. I mean, um, WWE 2K14 drops October 29th. You'll be able to play that mode. Um, you can pick up the, you can pre-order the Phenom Edition, which will give you American Badass Undertaker, the Coffin Box Ultimate Warrior. Or if you pre-order just the game by itself, you can get the Ultimate Warrior DLC. Speaking of premium editions, um, superhero hype actually got information regarding the Batman Arkham Origins collector's edition. And this edition is going to have a, um, a a premium statue with led effects made by Triforce who we've interviewed. You're also getting an 80 page full hardcover book. You're going to get two key pieces of evidence. You're going to get a Batman wanted poster. You're going to get a batwing prototype schematic, an anarchy logo stencil, a glow in the dark map of Gotham city, a Wayne family photo. Why? I don't know. Assassin's Intel dossier, including files on all eight assassins, as well as black mass contract. Plus you're going to get the first appearance Batman skin from detective comics, number 27 that came out in 1939 and the death stroke challenge pack. So there you have it. You're going to get all that. There's also going to be a uh, documentary called necessary evil about the supervillains of DC comics narrated by Christopher Lee And if you pick up the PS3 edition, you'll be getting the Nightfall pack as an exclusive. So there you have it. The collector's edition, of course, is going to be limited for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. And it's going to run you $120. So there you go. If you're a a Wii U owner, you are fucked. PS3 and Xbox 360 owners can get the Arkham Origins Special Edition or collector's edition. The game is dropping on Wii U, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and PC on October 25th. So there you have it, guys. That is going to wrap up this week's gaming news. We are going to run right into the entertainment side of things. Let's get that ball rolling. Well, in some unexpected sequel news, Lionsgate is actually working on a sequel to Summit Entertainment's Now You See Me. If you guys remember, Now You See Me was the uh, heist movie with magicians. It did very, very well at the box office. And um, it stars uh, Jesse Eisenberg, Isla Fisher, Dave Franco, Woody Harrelson. And um, right now, the international gross is expected to go over $150 million. The original film Costs $75 million to make. It's doing extremely well with a full total of $275 million worldwide. I'm actually, I, I saw part of the movie and it looked very good, but I really didn't think that they would go the sequel route. I guess they're trying to create a new franchise akin to the Ocean's Eleven franchise. Whether it'll be as good as the first film remains to be seen. So, Entertainment Weekly dropped the bombshell that Mel Gibson will be playing the villain in Expendables 3. Sylvester Stallone also revealed in a statement that Antonio Banderas will be joining him in Expendables. So there you have it. Also, the executive producer of The Expendables actually released a cast list on Facebook. The cast list reads as follows. Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Harrison Ford, Mel Mel Gibson, Dolph Lundgren, Wesley Snipes, Jet Li, Randy Couture, Antonio Banderas, Ronda Rousey, Terry Crews, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Victor Ortiz, and Kellen Lutz. There's still rumors of Nicolas Cage, Jackie Chan, and Mila Jovovich showing up, but they did not appear on the list. Expendables 3 is scheduled to hit theaters August 15th, 2014. So there you have it, ladies and gents. Let's get into some box office totals. Elysium ran away with the box office this past weekend, making $30 million, where the Millers took in 26 and $26.5 million, bringing its total to $38 million planes was in the number three slot making 22.5 million dollars percy jackson sea of monsters was number four two guns was number five the smurfs 2 was number six the wolverine was number seven bringing its total to 112 million dollars the conjuring was number eight despicable me 2 was number nine bringing its total up to 338 million dollars grown-ups 2 was number 10 now, you guys remember a couple of weeks back we were talking about uh, from Dust Till Dawn getting a TV series. Well, it seems that it's finally been greenlit for Robert Rodriguez cable network El Rey. Um, El Rey is going to be an English language cable network in partnership with Univision. And of course, it's going to follow uh, loosely the theatrical Dust Till Dawn series. So there you have it. Dust Till Dawn heads to the small screen courtesy of Robert Rodriguez on the El Rey cable network so here's here's some crazy shit and this boggled my mind world war z is brad pitt's most successful film making 500 million dollars worldwide 197.4 domestically and 305.2 overseas it is brad pitt's highest grossing film to date There are several records that this film has established. Highest domestic opening weekend. Highest domestic total. Highest international total. It shattered the records originally set by Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Troy. Troy's original worldwide box office totals were $497 million. Clearly, World War Z is over that by a substantial margin. But, I gotta say, $500 million you have to take into consideration... Tickets are more expensive now. The other thing you have to take into consideration is if people watch any special editions of this film, they also have a premium just 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 a nugget of information I wanted to throw out there, which is worth noting. last but not least, I do have to say that for as much money as that film made i got a i honestly felt that it wasn't it wasn't that good. Ah correction, thank you slick. Slick did correct me and let me know that World War Z was not in 3D or IMAX. I, but I think it was in IMAX, dude. I think they gave it an IMAX. If anything, check um, IMDB and let me know. But the, the biggest argument is tickets were more money. Think about the opening of Troy. How, how old is fucking Troy that you're comparing box office totals? But the thing that gets me is World War Z was loosely based on the book. The book was the book is fantastic. I love that book. I've read it from cover to cover on more than one occasion. The fact is that a book, you know, a movie based so loosely on the book could have been called something else. Brad Pitt versus Zombies, whatever. Like the World War Z name, I'm sure definitely got a lot of people in there, especially if they've read the book. But they they did they had a great marketing campaign for it. They, they I, I'm not gonna lie, they did a good job using press advertising print the works it was a it was a full court press to get the movie made the 500 million dollars is it's it's well earned only because there was so much work that went into getting that movie out there plus all the rewrites and all the shit but the marketing campaign alone got that movie the money because if that movie would have just relied on word of mouth it would have it, i honestly feel that it would not have made that sort of money who knows i think I'm sure people can debate me on it, but I personally feel that it, it wasn't as good as people thought. It was okay, but it just wasn't the World War Z that I expected. Simple as that. All right, guys, I'm honestly saying that this is going to bring this week's show to a close. Quite honestly, it was uh I exp- I I thought I had more notes, but shockingly enough, I didn't. Anyway, time to wrap things up. It is uh 2:20. Eastern Standard Time here in New York City. So uh, we got a lot of work to do post to edit a couple of things. So let's get the hell out of here. You've just heard My Take Radio, episode 195. Five episodes away from the big MTR 200. And um, for October 15th, 2013. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can also hit up our feedback line three, four, seven, eight, one, five, zero, six, eight, seven. That's three, four, seven, eight, one, five, zero M T R. We're always looking for great writing talent to showcase on my radio.com. If you're interested in writing for us, feel free to drop me a line or fill out the application on the site. We'd love to check out your work. If you're interested in writing in a guest capacity and have something that's new and noteworthy and worth sharing with our audience. We do accept guest posts. So definitely drop us a line. If you're interested in doing that, you want to keep up with us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at MyTakeRadio. become a fan on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash my take radio. Add us to your circle on Google plus look for MTR extras on Tumblr. If you want to read our Tumblr blogs and last but not least, you can always follow me on Instagram, rich underscore MTR. If you want the full and complete MTR experience, make sure to pick up our app available for Android and iOS devices. And I am pleased to announce that we are also Windows compatible. You can pick up the official My Take Radio app for Windows 8 or for your Windows mobile device for $1.99. Cheaper than a cup of coffee. You get 96K stereo episodes of My Take Radio. You will also get original content, including our My Take Radio Beyond the Mic series and My Take Radio Behind the Mic. You will get access to that content first before the general public. You will get mobile wallpapers and a ton of other cool shit as well. Again, for Android devices, you can pick that up in the Amazon Android Marketplace. For iOS, of course, you can hit up iTunes. And for Windows, make sure to hit up the Windows App Store. And if you want to pick up archive episodes, you can always find those on iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and, of course, via Blog Talk Radio. We ask that if you're getting the shows from iTunes, please take a moment and rate the show. We'd really appreciate It helps us move up the rankings and allows us to reach brand new audiences. On behalf of myself, Slick, Jay Santee, Andrea, the Buried Boys, Ben, and of course Mortis, and the rest of the MTR family, I bid you guys good evening. Peace.
2: That's
1: all, folks. (laughs) I figure we will go into the crates. Originally, I was going to play some mixes from DJ Decade, but um, fortunately, we couldn't work it out. So we are going to play some of our staple mtr music and we're gonna go with uh, hmm you know what i think we're gonna go with uh, super street fighter 4's time to oil up from ocremix.org the artist is pixie tricks and zircon catch you guys next week
0: using blog talk radio goodbye